Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of November 2nd, 2023, including... Alan Wake 2 is here, and possibly the best game of this already incredible year for gaming. Bungie has laid off a sizable portion of its team, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2004, 19 years ago, Lord of the Rings The Third Age was released for the Xbox, original, the original Xbox, developed by EA Redwood Shores, who would later go on to be renamed Visceral, and you may know them as the Dead Space developer that EA shut down about five, six years ago, because why? Why would why would we have happiness? Uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings The Third Age. I remember this game very well. Uh, I remember the Lord of the Rings was just big in my household growing up. Even though I was never particularly obsessive about Lord of the Rings, it was just, it was like Harry Potter times two. Like Harry Potter was big in my household, but Lord of the Rings was like definitely a step up from that where my sisters, my my brothers, my mom, everyone just went nuts for Lord of the Rings. So as those movies came out in the early 2000s, it was like every freaking holiday season when a new one came out, we had to drop everything, go to the theater and watch them. And, my family would freak out over Orlando Bloom and the guy that what's the, what's the other guy's name the freaking uh, one that plays Aragon the actor the, the handsome one and they just freak out about him and then my brothers would be like oh that's amazing epic storytelling and I would be like I'm seven and I want to watch uh, Spider Man again uh, and then I don't know so Lord of the Rings weirdly I just have a lot of exposure to the, the like this era of Lord of the Rings because there were so many games that came out around the time of these movies and. The Third Age is a really interesting game because it was the first like big spin-off Lord of the Rings game to kind of follow that trilogy of licensed movie tie-in games for Lord of the Rings. Uh, let's see what the Fellowship of the Ring, which didn't get a proper game. What did Fellowship of the Ring get? It, get, it got like that freaking Hobbit, Hobbit game. No, I don't know when that came out. I don't know. I don't remember what that one got. But then the Twin Towers and the Return of the King both got really kick-ass, really good licensed uh, movie action games from EA. Um, that I definitely remember playing those very vividly as a kid. And then Lord of the Rings, the third age was really interesting because it was like, all right, the movies are done. You know, there's a lot of success with this IP right now. EA has this licensing. They want to use it. And they tried to do their own kind of like spin off their take on Lord of the Rings. And they added in their own lore and their own original story. And they made this game that in some ways looked a lot like those licensed movie tie-in games, but was more of a, traditional style turn-based RPG game as opposed to like an action game and I remember this I remember playing this game because I remember it was like a game that I knew was coming out and was kind of on my radar but wasn't necessarily like begging mom and dad for I was you know at this point in my life all I gave a shit about was like Mario Pikmin Beyblade Spider-Man you know whatever and uh, I just remember my mom being like there's a new Lord of the Rings game and my mom who always let us play video games but definitely didn't prefer the fact that we played video games so much was like the one pushing this game onto us I'll never like that's why this video game sticks out in my memories because I remember like thinking in the back of my mind like why does mom give a shit so much that there's a new Lord of the Rings game 
Like, I know there's a new Lord of the Rings game. I don't care all that much. It's 2004. Spider-Man 2 just came out on June 30th, and it's the best movie ever made, and it has the best licensed video game ever made to accompany it. So what the fuck do I care about a new Lord of the Rings game? But my mom was like, no, you guys, for Christmas, I'm buying you guys this game, and you will all play it. And I remember playing it and being like, yeah, this game's pretty good. I remember feeling like it was cool. I felt like a little mature for playing it because it was like RPG-esque and it was like a little more, you know, it was a little more serious than the games I was used to playing. You know, again, Beyblade, Pikmin, Mario, Luigi's Mansion, whatever the fuck I was playing. And so I remember like just thinking like, oh, it's kind of cool that I'm playing Lord of the Rings. This kind of makes me like scholarly that I'm like, what what was I in 2004? I was nine years old playing the Lord of the Rings, the third age. But I also remember like only beating half the game because I definitely was not smart enough and, and paying close enough attention to try and to learn to try and really learn how the game is meant to be played so i don't know it was good i just it's a weird game i don't it, this one sticks out in my memory because it's a game that i played because my mom who wished that her kids would go outside more and play games less pushed on to us because uh, i guess she had a thing for vigo Mortensen. that's his name god damn it yeah because she had a, she had the hots for a hollywood actor who was loosely portrayed in this playstation 2 game that i played shout out to lord of the rings the third age <laughs> Guys, welcome to Xbox On. It's the podcast where we reminisce about Hollywood actors that my mom had a crush on back in the early 2000s. Speaking of early 2000s actors, let's talk about the notable games releasing this week because in line with what has been an overwhelmingly big year for for great game releases, um, normally while, you know, early November tends to be well, actually, that's not true. Usually, usually early November is like kind of the last push of like the big game releases of the year. So it's not super surprising that we have some notable games to talk about this week. But again, this year just doesn't let up. There's just new shit that you got to be paying attention to every every time you turn your head. And so let's get into a couple games coming out this week that you just got to pay attention to. They're good games. First one I want to talk about, and I think it's pronounced Jusant. I don't know, fucking Jusant, Jusant from don't nod and they're french so maybe they want to call it i don't, I don't even want to try and pronounce in french because i don't want this video to get demonetized for speaking french so just which is a new game from don't nod which are the guys that make the life is strange series and remember me and games like that this is very different for them this is unlike anything they've ever done before it's a kind of story-based game which is is in their wheelhouse but it's the gameplay is like this climbing this mountain climbing adventure kind of game where it's like action based but there's no combat or anything and it's not necessarily a walking sim because there is technically a game mechanic but i don't know i haven't watched too much on the game because it is something i do plan on just giving a try and i really don't care about learning about the ins and outs of the moment-to-moment gameplay i'll just it's one of those like oh don't nod i like them oh this game sounds interesting looks like one of those indie style uh walking sim story driven makes you feel something kind of game so i was like i don't need to see anything other than the initial teaser for this game i'll just play it especially because it's a day one game pass game so this came out on october 31st aka halloween night aka if you're listening to this podcast now it's already out and it's available on xbox and pc so that's a notable game worth um we're definitely paying, you know, paying some mind to. If you're looking for some, maybe you're starting to get a little sick of Starfield. You're looking for something new on Game Pass to, to help get your value, your seventeen dollar a month value out of. Uh, next up, Alien Hominid Invasion. So this is a big one. Which okay, so Alien Hominid Invasion. I could talk about this for a long time, but I'm going to try not to. It's out now. It came out November first. So if you listen to the podcast, you can go download it. Alien Hominid Invasion is basically. I don't. I guess they're not really referring to it as like a sequel or like a, a new game, but it kind of is a new game. It's like they're kind of being a little cagey about how they describe it, but they were so be, the Behemoth, the developer behind the game 
were bringing the Alien Hominid HD game that was that was brought over to Xbox One a few years back. They were bringing it forward to the modern platforms, and so they were going to do Alien Hominid HD for Xbox Series S and X. Well, they did that, but while they were doing that, they started apparently dicking around and making new content and came to this idea that like they could release Alien Hominid HD for the new consoles as well as Alien Hominid I- Invasion, which is like basically a new game, so to speak. And so I'm really excited about this because Alien Hominid is just one of those it's one of those games I just remember so fondly, you know, in the early 2000s growing up, going over to friends' houses for sleepovers and stuff. And it's like, oh, I can play this really violent game that looks like a cartoon, but it's really violent. And being like, is this just lowbrow, stupid kid shit that I'm going to, like, think is kind of stupid when I'm older? And then fast forward to the 2020s when I am older, I'm like, no, Alien Hominid is just actually a genuinely great game. And it's it's a lot of fun. Shout out to, shout out to the behemoth. Shout out to... Alien Hominid and, and, and Castle Crashers and all the all the very few but great games but they that they have made. Uh, I never played what is it Battle Block Theater or whatever. I've never played that one. But anyway, um, so this is exciting. It's not only a chance to play Alien Hominid if you've never played it, but also to get new content, which is crazy considering these guys basically don't ever make games. And second, this game has never gotten new content, so it's just really exciting and. Again, it's one of those things like, I want to play this. I don't have time to play this right now, but I will get to it. Also, really interesting to note is for whatever reason, this game is not coming to PlayStation, or at least not right now. Just something you never see. It's like it's it's coming to Xbox One, Xbox Series, and PC. I think it's coming to Nintendo Switch as well, but it's not coming to PlayStation, or at least not for now. That's, that's just unheard of. I don't really know how that happened, but uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have no comment on that other than just to say that's weird. Um, look at that. Point and laugh, everyone. Uh, so there's Alien Hominid, there's Jusant if you're French, and then if you're a, if you're if you're perpetually stuck in the '80s, like it seems like everyone always is and forever will be, well then boy have I got a movie for you. It's called RoboCop, and now it's got a brand new video game called RoboCop Rogue City, and it's uh, it's out now for the Xbox Series S and X and the PC, and it comes out the day this podcast goes live on November second. And the reason why this is notable is because this is a rare instance of a modern licensed game based on some old movie franchise that's not really currently active um but it's just actually just a randomly good game made by an unknown developer that people are just kind of into and so i just wanted to put that out there robocop rogue city people like the story surrounding the game is like this game is surprisingly good and i don't know a whole lot about robocop and i don't have much of a connection to it or much of anything to say about it but i just want to push it out there because i know there are a lot of people who are very into robocop a lot of people who you know, RoboCop is their Spider-Man 2, if you can imagine. If you can imagine growing up in the 80s and thinking, wow, I want to be a RoboCop when I grow up. Stupid, lame, you're dumb. You're stupid for being a kid and wanting to be a robot cop. You should be like me when I was a kid and want to be a Spider-Man. You should want to be bitten by spiders and then turned into Tobey Maguire like we all should dream about becoming. So you're dumb. I'm not. I was a good kid. You suck. You you smoke cigarettes behind the gym. And, uh, yeah, so that's RoboCop Rogue City. And then the last game of note that I want to bring up this week, and this is a this is a soft launch. This is a technically a not a real launch. Hey, everyone, I got a secret for you. Modern Warfare 3 is going into early access if you pre-order the game, which means you can play the campaign up to a full week early. Actually, a little more than a full week early. That is beginning November 2nd, the day this podcast goes live this Thursday. If you pre-ordered Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, I should say, you can start playing the campaign now, just like they did with last year's Modern Warfare 2. If you pre-order the game, play the campaign a week early. I love this feature because, or I love this little uh, this little incentive to pre-order because it's actually great considering Call of Duty is such a multiplayer-focused game. It, it, it's like, it's like, hey, here's an excuse for everyone to not pay attention to the multiplayer. 
and enjoy this game's campaign for a minute because generally Call of Duty games, generally, not always, generally Call of Duty games have really rock-solid campaigns and they just kind of get completely swept under the rug because everyone's like, oh, multiplayer, what's the meta? I want to be a fucking guy with the, with a Nicki Minaj skin. But this is like a way to kind of like force the community to be like, these developers put a lot of work into this, this story mode. Please pay attention to the story mode. And I actually like it because I feel like it kind of forces the story mode of Call of Duties to remain to remain relevant kind of manda- like is like this mandatory injection of like a second life into the campaign aspect of Call of Duty. So I really love and appreciate this approach because while some people could be like, oh, fuck you. If you can release the campaign a week early, it means the game's ready, which means you're just holding it back. It's like, yeah, but I actually think this is like kind of a tasteful way to do this because it's just kind of a way of still releasing a completely fully con- uh, content complete package while also signaling to your audience it's like hey you'll get that multiplayer crack that you're so addicted to but first let's show you the main presentation you know like the the thing that sets up the world in which you're going to be playing it i i I love the first few months of a new call of duty man it makes me so happy because usually they have these kick-ass campaigns they're super badass it's like m-rated mature gi joe for grown-up boys and it's awesome and you like get attached to the characters You're like oh that one fucking mission is so cool when soap does the thing and then he gets knocked down then he's got the gun and he shoots the guy in the face with the gun and it's like really cool and then it gets you like super hyped to play the multiplayer so then you'll play the multiplayer like crazy for two months You're like yeah i'm grinding all these guns i unlocked all these skins i'm doing all this shit i'm level 247 what up and then like month three of the game rolls around and they're like introducing the easter bunny costume and then you're like okay this game you know what Fuck this game. I think I'm going to go back to Fortnite. Because, I mean, that's I mean that's the cycle of Call of Duty. It's like the first few months, it's kind of badass. It kind of has integrity. It kind of has, like, this, this like, in creative intent behind it. And then by, like, year, th- by, like, month four or five, they're just like, and here's RoboCop. You guys like RoboCop? He belongs in Call of Duty, right? Right next to 50 Cent. And the, the serial killers from Columbine. They, we're going to put the Columbine shooters in Call of Duty. How would you like to play as those guys, kids? And it's like, n- n- no. I, just let me fucking play as the Call of Duty guys. And build, I don't know. That, that, maybe that's just a mean-spirited uh, dig. I know, I know a lot of people like playing as fucking Spawn and the Grim Reaper or whoever in Call of Duty. I, I like a lot of the fun in camp. Don't get me wrong. My favorite aspect of Call of Duty is the zombies mode, which is inherently stupid and ridiculous. But, like... I don't know. I'm like, you gotta have like some, some integrity, man. Do we really need to have like freaking Gordon Ramsay and Bobby Flay running around on on freaking uh, shipment, sniping each other in the face? Like, does that is that really what's gonna make Call of Duty a better game? May- Actually, maybe I would like to play as Gordon Ramsay in a Call of Duty game. Anyway, so I'm excited for that. I got the game pre-ordered. I'm looking forward to it because Modern Warfare 2019. I don't like that game's multiplayer at all. And I don't like what Warzone in that game did to the modern era of Call of Duty. But I will say Modern Warfare 2019 has a kick-ass campaign. I love that game's campaign. So I actually think that game probably had the the first truly great Call of Duty campaign since Black Ops 2 at the time. So that's a really special Call of Duty for me in that way. And then last year's Modern Warfare 2 I thought had an even more kick-ass campaign. Although it felt a little detached from Modern Warfare 2019's campaign, which I thought was a little weird. But still... On its own, I thought Modern Warfare 2 2022 had such a fucking cool campaign um, to the fact where to the point where like I went back and played it again and I went back and like replayed missions and farmed it for achievements and did stuff like it wasn't like a one and done like that was fun. That was a fun Saturday afternoon. It was like, no, like this is a genuinely cool first person shooter video game I'm playing. And so 
while I don't have the highest hope for, ho- hopes for Modern Warfare 3's campaign because it is kind of like done in half the development time and it's Sledgehammer instead of Infinity Ward and they're trying to do this open-ended sandbox-style mission structure instead of the traditional call. I'm a, I'm a little bit skeptical of what we're going to get. I'm not going to say I'm not here to say it's going to be bad or I'm not going to like it or whatever. I'm just saying there's a little bit of a, a potential stink on on this campaign so i'm cautiously optimistic i'm looking forward to getting into it and i'm hoping i'm hoping that all the apprehension is unwarranted and that this this campaign is just as cool as modern warfare 2019 or modern warfare 2's campaign because i'm really i'm really all in on this new modern warfare universe they've built over the past couple of years and yeah so that's gonna be awesome so we got modern warfare 3 we got freaking uh we got robocop we got alien hominid we got jusant which is french so you got four games all of which sound cool and uh yeah that's it for this week oh yeah also one more thing since we're already talking about call of duty you might as well slip this in here and then it will be all the call of duty we have to talk about for the week okay you like that i'm respecting you guys i'm keeping the call of duty talk to a minimum um this is weird activision confirms that the maps from call of duty modern warfare 2 or at least some of them, will slowly make their way into Modern Warfare 3. So a lot of people are saying Modern Warfare 3 is just DLC for Modern Warfare 2. A lot of people are saying, well, why can you why can you bring over your skins and your guns and all your unlocks and your trinkets and stuff into the new Call of Duty game, but you can't just play the same maps? Like, why is it like half of half of an expansion, but not quite there? Well, I guess they're going one step further because they said after the game comes out with its 16 maps and then they add new maps over time, brand new 12 original new maps, they're eventually going to start adding back in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 maps. So not Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 2009 maps, but Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 2022 maps. That makes sense. That's easy to keep all together, right? That makes that's that's coherent and clean. Um, so yeah, so that's I mean, it's exciting on the one hand because I I thought last year's Modern Warfare had great maps, great original maps, but it's also like, bro, this you really are looking for every excuse in the book to hide the fact that this is technically just DLC. Like, I I just think I would have been able to respect this game so much more and still would have gladly paid seventy bucks. Don't get me wrong, if they were just like, hey, it's Modern Warfare two, like. 2023 update edition you know it's got a new campaign it's got 16 new maps we've tweaked and retooled some of the physics in the multiplayer and it's got some new modes and some new shit and a zombies mode and all this uh but it's essentially just a huge overhaul year two expansion i would have been totally cool with that happy to give you 70 bucks but the fact that they're basically doing that in a roundabout way and kind of like lying about it and being a little smug about it just makes me respect what they're doing here so much less even though it's essentially the same thing so i mean come on man just just fucking admit what you've done here it's, you you you've done a roundabout year two expansion and that's okay and i'm happy to pay 70 bucks for it but just come on and also call of duty community stop being so incredibly toxic you're the reason why activision doesn't just come out straight and say hey we're doing a year two expansion for 70 bucks because if they did do it that way you guys would have a fucking th- fit in a field day but let's be honest they could announce that they're doing absolutely nothing or they could announce that they're gonna give 2.6 trillion dollars to kids with cancer and you guys would still have a fucking field day bitching and moaning about everything followed by you know me just bitching and moaning about Nicki minaj and gordon ramsay running around in call of duty so i'm part of the problem guys first step is admitting that you're part of the problem and that's me let's move on guys let's move on past the new games coming out this week let's move into the stories of mild amusement, the way we open up the show, kind of talking about a couple stories that are interesting enough, but we don't want to get too in-depth with. 
And I think we'll start out by one that's got me super excited, but also, as usual, overwhelmed because there's just too many good games coming out right now. Um, which is that Roller Dome, Roller Drome, I said that wrong. Roller Drome is officially, finally, thankfully coming to Xbox, and it's coming really soon because, of course. So, Roller Drome is coming to Xbox in November. The game will be available through Game Pass, which is excellent. Uh, this is from VGC, the single-player roller skating action game, which was developed by Oli Oli Studio Roll Seven. Uh, is coming to Xbox Series consoles and PC on November 28th. According to the tweet from the official Roller Drome Twitter account, the game will also be available on Game Pass same day, console, PC, and cloud. And the game was originally released last year on on PlayStation platforms and Steam uh, back in August. The game puts players in the role of uh, Kara Kara Hassan, who's taking part of a futuristic sport called Roller Drome, in which the participants uh, have to shoot each other while pulling off tricks on roller skates. Um, players are encouraged to play violently and stylishly because it's health regaining uh, is by cl collecting pickups from killed enemies. So anyway, this game looks awesome. If you didn't see it last year when it came out to PlayStation, came out on PlayStation, it is basically like freaking Tony Hawk meets shooting. So it looks awesome. It's like, I don't know. It's It looks a lot like, like a Tony Hawk pro skater game on roller skates, but you have guns. Like that's kind of like the, 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 the catch here. The game looks awesome. Apparently was awesome. A lot of people had nothing but good things to say about it when it came out last year. And, uh, I just been waiting for it to come to Xbox and here's our time. Here's our day. And what's better is it's a, a day one game pass game. So you don't even have to go out and spend some extra money. It's just there in your subscription. And I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. And shout out to roll seven. The guys that do Ollie Ollie, uh, the original Ollie Ollie. I used to play like crazy back on the, the Wii U and the 3DS. I own that game on both Wii U and 3DS and would constantly switch between the two platforms, even though Nintendo, of course, being Nintendo, didn't have any kind of like cross-save, cross-progression support. So I was just playing two copies of the same game on different platforms because Nintendo. And uh, yeah, but I, I had a lot of fun with that game back in the day. And um, I'm really excited to play Roller Drum. So that's that's great. Comes out a week after I move. So I, I'm probably definitely not playing it anytime Anytime soon, but I will play it, damn it. I will get to it. Thank you. Please, thank you. All right, let's move on. Larian says Boulder's Gate 3 is still on track to hit Xbox this year. So from VGC, developer Larian says the game is still planned to hit the Xbox console this year. The studio founder and CEO Sven Vinke provided an update and said that the Xbox version um, is still coming. It's, 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 it's a little delayed, but it's still coming this year. He says, the latest on the Xbox being actively playtested, still on schedule for this year. We'll announce the exact date when we're sure it's done. Maybe you could just shadow drop this at the Game Awards. I feel like that's a, a way you could do this. Baldur's Gate 3 was released on PC and PlayStation 5 the following month, but uh, but the game was held up as Larian struggled to get split-screen co-op working the same standard on Series S and X. Following a meeting with Microsoft back in August, uh, they announced that the Xbox version of the game will arrive later in the year with split-screen co-op removed on the Series S version of the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see that this is finally happening, the game's finally coming. Obviously, no, no firm date yet. It's still a little concerning as we are in the final 60 days or so of the year, but... I'm very optimistic that the game will still hit consoles this year because, I mean, they just they just keep they're just so adamant about it repeatedly. And also, I mean, I don't know, I don't I don't care enough to to to, to be right about this, so I'm just gonna take their word for it and say, yeah, it'll be out this year. But I think that'd be a really fun one for them if they can get this as like a Game Awards announcement or shadow job, or even if it's like shown off for Xbox at the Game Awards and then it's like out the next week or something like that. I feel like that could be a good little a good little get for them, even though they are playing catch up getting this game on Xbox. So maybe you want to be a little more quiet about it. I don't know. I don't know. You obviously you want to be loud about it because you want the Xbox community to know this game is now on Xbox. 
But you also kind of want to be quiet about it because it's a little embarrassing that you're going to be late to the party because uh, they couldn't get the game working in all of its glory on your small little engine that could with the Xbox Series S. So I don't know. I don't know how they want to handle that, but cool. I'm going to guess, like everything, I'm just going to take the lazy way out and say, it'll be announced at the Game Awards. There, I win. All right. Next up, we got one more here to talk about as we open up this week, and I want to go into a little update on Remedy and Control 2 and the Max Payne remakes because we're going to be talking about a lot about Remedy a lot in a little bit here with Alan Wake 2. Um, but first up, we got a story from VGC that Remedy has provided an update on several upcoming titles, including Control 2 and Max Payne remakes. And a note to investors, the Finland-based developer for, provided new information on four new titles that's currently working on. Quote, Control 2 continues to be a, uh, continues in the proof of concept stage. The plans for a sequel are ambitious and we'll have seen good and we've seen good progress both in the design and in the game build. It said on the sequel to the 2019 third-person shooter. Quote, we will definitely continue uh, at this stage for the next few quarters. We're focusing on proving the identi- the identified key elements before moving on to the next stage and scaling the team up. On the upcoming remakes of both Max Payne 1 and 2, the company said, Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes are progressing well into the production readiness stage. We have gained clarity on the, on the style and scope of the game, and we will be exceptionally well-organized team working on it, or we have an exceptionally well-organized team. Uh, with the with these accomplishments, we are excited about the project and future successes. Uh, and quote, the game is being co-produced by Rockstar Games, owners of the Max Payne IP, and developers of the third game in the series. Remedy is also providing insight into Condor and Codename Vanguard, two titles that the company has spent time has spent little time talking about publicly. But they said, quote, Condor, a co-op multiplayer game, has progressed from a proof of concept to a production readiness stage. We have acquired valuable insight into the development service-based games and are ready to better position to create a player, a game where players can engage for years. I'm nervous about that one. And they also say, while it didn't work directly on a service-based portion of the game, Remedy's uh, closest call with the service game in recent years was the ill-fated Crossfire X, which, of course, was awesome, but people did not uh, appreciate because... They don't have strong arms like I do. Of course, the game was ill-fated while Remedy handled the campaign portion of the game. The the Smilegate multiplayer portion uh, never really caught on, and the game was uh, yeah was shut down earlier this year, so rest in peace, Crossfire X. But yeah, in a recent interview with VGC, um, Sam Lake, creative director at Remedy, was asked about remakes and how Remedy's initial announcement suggested it was going to be a significant undertaking. Lake replied that both projects are indeed a large one and that a lot of work was involved. He says, quote, it's a significant undertaking in the sense that even if they're old games, just thinking about bringing them up to modern standards and combing and com- sorry, and combining them into one, you can just see that's a big, big project. Upon being asked if he was reprising his role as Max from the first game, uh, <laughs> Sam Lake laughed, no comment, that's going too far. So anyway, it's exciting. Uh, it's an exciting update because as someone who just played uh, Alan Wake 2 and is excited to talk to you guys about it, I got to say I'm, I'm, I'm on a high note with Remedy. They're a great developer. I, I love these guys. And I'm so I'm just so proud of like this team and like how how they've just consistently gotten better and better. You know, spoiler alert for Alan Wake 2, how they just consistently become a better and better team over time. But I am a little bit worried about them because they're doing this remake of Max Payne 1 and 2. They're doing a sequel to Control. They're working on two games, one of which is a games as a service that I'm just kind of worried about because it's a lot. It's a lot of games to be working on at once. They're a relatively modest sized team, and 
I just I feel like you know they're doing the obligatory we got to do one of these style games when it's like not really their their wheelhouse. So it's not to say they can't do it. It's just to say in my eyes, Remedy is one of those developers that can do no wrong. They just keep doing like banger after banger, and I don't want to see them like trip and fall because that would be. I don't know. I just I don't want to see their like perfect record tarnished. I know a lot of people shit on Crossfire X, but the thing about Crossfire X is they were like kind of a four higher team on that game's campaign, and even then they they didn't solely make that campaign. They they did heavily contribute to the campaign. Don't get me wrong, but that's not fully their project top to bottom. You know, like they 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 used a lot of what was handed to them, put it in their Northlight engine, and slapped together this this game that. I actually thought Crossfire X, you know, say what you will about the multiplayer component, but the campaigns, the two short campaigns it had, in my opinion, were fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see those games as a blight on their record. I know a lot of people kind of do, but even then, you can you can look at their their record and see that that was a for hire project that wasn't their own internal incubated baby, you know, or anything like that. Like their games are Max Payne, Quantum Break, Alan Wake, Control. Like these are their 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 games, right? And when you look at that up through the new Alan Wake two, they just have such a uh, spot on track record. And I just uh, I wanted to see that they're able to continue to flourish and do that. And I know that they are kind of stuck in this this place of being one of those developers that makes amazing games, gets a lot of praise and respect from the industry uh, insiders and the in the media and the press and like the diehard fans. But when you look at like the big picture and the general audiences, it's like no one gives a shit about Max Payne two, it, it, or you, you know, or, or Max Payne two. I mean, Alan Wake two, and, and it's one of those things where like. You know, if the game makes a healthy, you know, a little bit of, a, of profit there or, or is a moderate success, it's like that will be wonderful. But, you know, it's not going to be, you know, nothing Remedy does seems to ever get to move into that echelon of like a game everyone has to stop what they're doing and fucking play. And it's, it makes, and maybe this is getting a little into like what I want to say about Alan Wake 2, but like it, it kind of makes me so sad because I'm someone who plays a lot of third-person, narrative-driven action games. You know, I play a lot of the big Sony first-party games, the Horizons and The Last of Us and the God of Wars and all these games. And I got to say, I, I stand by what I've been saying for the longest time, which is that Remedy is the best studio for these kinds of games. They do it better than anyone else. And I'm not trying to say that, like, a game like The Last of Us isn't incredible and doesn't deserve respect or God of War 2018 or Ragnarok or whatever. But, like, for my money, for my time... I think Remedy goes toe to toe with these developers and these games, but you'll never hear it from, you know, the sale. You'll never hear that from their sales success. You'll, you'll never see that happen. You know, the people who are going to drop everything and flock to go watch the last of us on HBO and then go play God of War Ragnarok and talk about how it's the greatest game ever. And Xbox has bad graphics because God of War is a good game. You know, like, for all those people, Remedy's always going to be there in the corner. Like we got Alan Wake too. It's fucking awesome. We know that's true. Our fans know that's true. The media knows that's true, but the general mass audiences, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Like I, I played Alan Wake two this past weekend a lot. And I got to say like this, this is a game that I think could be a mainstream game. Like people could play and enjoy this and it's wonderful. And it has a lot to offer for many types of players. But I just know this is going to be one of those games that, Critical darling, you know, it's like it made barely made a profit. It made enough to keep the studio going on to their next project. So with all that said, I get why they're doing the games as a service and I get why they're taking on multiple projects and I get why they're trying to branch out and do new things. And they got the safe bet with the half involved remake of of Alan Wake or Mad Max, I should say, or Mad Max. Damn, I'm all over the place. They didn't make Mad Max. That's a movie. 
Max Payne, holy fuck. <laughs> Which, I mean, they are doing the bulk of the development. I assume they're really only in collaboration with Rockstar as far as getting licensing goes because they sold that licensing to Rockstar after Max Payne 2 and then Rockstar made Max Payne 3. So that that is them basically just working with Rockstar, quote-unquote, just in the sense of we need access to this IP. But they have a lot of coals in the fire. They're doing a lot of things. They're doing remakes. They're doing new games. They're doing games that are unlike games they've made in the past. And it's just... I, I just hope they're not overextending themselves and I hope they continue to do I, I just hope they continue to be remedy because even though unfortunately at the end of the day the the same people who are gonna get the fucking Kratos tattoo on their arm and talk about you know, the Ghost of Tsushima, it's like again, I'm sure those games are phenomenal. In fact I've played a lot of those games and they are phenomenal and I like I like those games. It's just like those same people who would who would you would love quantum break you would love control you would love alan wake too like those people are not going to give remedy in their games the time of the day that they so desperately deserve and i i understand that it's a business as a company as a entity comprised of people trying to make a living so they can support themselves and their families they got to go where the money goes they where the money is and they gotta they gotta branch out and try new things and try to become as financially successful as they can and it's not to say remedy is scraping by and barely exists to this day it's just to say that they've never really hit big success i mean i think the uh, the biggest the biggest remedy game in terms of like the game that the most people have played and are familiar with has got to be the max pain series I, w- I would think right because it's like that's that's the one like when you ask people it's like oh remedy they make these games it's like the most people are familiar with is max pain and maybe that's just because you know, from the time it hails from and the time, the length of time it's been on the market, it's just garnered that much of an audience. I actually think a lot of the reason why people know Max Payne is because Rockstar made Max Payne three, such a, such a general audiences, like mass market marketable kind of game for so many people that it introduced people to the IP of Max Payne, even if they never played Max Payne one or two or went on to play any other remedy created game. And I don't know, man, it just, I, I don't I, I'm not really making a greater point here. I'm just kind of rambling, but I just want to say I really love Remedy. I think they're such a special team. I just want to I, I just really hope you know I trust that they know what they're doing. They've never they've never steered me wrong. I've never played a game from Remedy that has been anything less than excellent. And I just really really hope that where they go from here, they they don't make any moves that they're not 100% confident that they can that they're the right team to do this project or that they're not doing wrong by themselves by trying to take on this, you know, just for the sake of the almighty dollar or, or the potential of hitting it big with their own kind of games as a service. I just hope, you know, they're remaining remedy after all, you know? So anyway, shout out to, shout out to Sam Lake. Honestly, like literally everything about these guys, again, more, more Alan Wake 2 spoiler content, but like, dude, shout out to Sam Lake. This man is a fucking savant. It drives me nuts. It's like, you know, again, Hideo Kojima, amazing visionary, huge contributor to the games industry. He's such an important person in this space, but he gets all this love and respect and these fucking, and you know, these guys like Neil Druckmann over at Naughty Dog and all that stuff. But it's like, bro, where is the, where is the respect that is so earned and so obviously owed to the great Sam Lake, man? This guy's a fucking genius. He's, he's a genius. Play any Remedy game, especially any of their more recent games. And tell me this man's not a fucking savant. It's just, again, 
Remini is such an underappreciated developer. It 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 hurts the the cells in my brain. All four of them. They just they they pulsate and, and create a surge of a pain that's that that sends shivers down my whole cerebral system. Just fucking. I, I'm 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 like temporarily paralyzed just thinking about people not realizing that Sam Lake is the real daddy of the games industry. And it's just. He's a genius. And also, last comment before we get off this topic, move on, and then probably go right back to Remedy because we're going to talk about Alan Wake 2 in a minute. Microsoft, you fucked up by not buying Remedy. If there's anyone you should have just put stupid fucking money in front of their faces and said, come be a part of Team Xbox, Remedy Entertainment. They are the answer to your prayers. Phil always talks about the, we want the third-person action, blah, blah, blah game. We need we look at the portfolio, and we look at what, what we need and what we're missing. And I know I've said this for years on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again t- today. Because today it's especially true, following that, um, Alan Wake 2. Remedy Entertainment, that's your naughty dog. And you guys had a fucking romance with them, man. You had Alan, Alan Wake was an Xbox game. You guys owned that IP. It was made exclusively for the 360. You sold it back to Remedy. You know, Quantum Break, it's still an Xbox IP. It's still exclusively an Xbox One game. You fucked up. That, w- that, that was your naughty dog, man. That was your Sony Santa Monica. That was your Crystal Dynamics. That was your Tomb Raider. That was... You fucked up. Enjoy your $70 billion Call of Duty game. Anyway, let's move on. So, we'll open up the podcast. Uh, I've shat on Call of Duty fans. I'm telling you, you're stupid if you have a Kratos tattoo. Oh, my mom has a crush on celebrities from 20 years ago in Lord of the Rings movies. That's right. Let's move on, guys. Let's uh, get off the opening news stories. Talk about the games I've been playing this week. But uh, before we can talk about the news and the games I've been playing this week, I gotta, of course, stop everything we're doing. Talk to you about what I've been eating. Because it's Halloween, or it was Halloween. Halloween is now in the past. Halloween is past tense. There will never be another Halloween unless October 31st comes again, which is not a guarantee. So as of now, Halloween happened. And I got to say, I got nothing specific to talk about with food, but I am currently just feeling, I'm currently feeling a state of fatness right now. I've done, I feel like, you know, like two years ago, I started my little thing of calorie counting and trying to be good about this and that and I lost a little bit of weight I felt generally better about my more like caloric intake conscious mindset about food and you know some days I'm better than others but generally speaking the past few years I felt better about my relationship with food you know and there's always that rare exception like it's it's Thanksgiving this week you know we're off work this week it's Thanksgiving we're gonna be a little silly and eat too much or something like that this past week has been one of those weeks where I just I just feel I just feel like I'm not doing my body any favors. It's just I feel fat. Shout out to Halloween. I got nothing I got nothing to say. I got pizza yesterday because it was Halloween and you gotta get pizza on Halloween night. That's a freaking that's a freaking tradition. It's a given. But you got the candy on top of that, you know? You got the freaking Mountain Dew voodoo that comes out every Halloween season. And I'm I i do not really drink soda that much these days, but for Halloween time for voodoo, I buy a twelve pack. So I'm drinking soda the past past two weeks feeling fat from that got freaking all the fat stuff i just feel fat i just feel fat listen we had a banquet at work the other day for halloween a little little potluck thing going on i I went to sam's club i got the pumpkin spice caramel cheesecake little empanada bite things i got the fucking halloween cupcakes i brought those into the office they were all delicious it was wonderful i'm feeling fat so what have i been eating all the all the life-threatening things that come with halloween that's what i've been eating it's wonderful and i've enjoyed every minute of it but now the holiday's over, and uh, I'm going back to brown rice and chicken because I got to lose some weight. I feel fat. And also, I love Halloween. Shout out to Halloween. Great holiday. Best holiday. All right, that's it for what I've been eating, if that even makes sense. And now with that said, we can just move right on into the games I've been playing, and this is basically just throwing us right back to where we were a second ago. 
talking about Remedy, uh, but now we're specifically talking about Alan Wake 2, and not so much just Remedy as a developer, but yeah, so Alan Wake 2 came out last Friday, I come home from work, I pop this bitch in, figuratively speaking, because I downloaded it, I'm not a heathen, but uh, I downloaded it, I booted up, I played two and a half hours, and I go, wow, this is incredible, this game is amazing from the opening, and then I fell asleep, because I wake up at 5am every day, and I'm tired, but then, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I'm talking about eight-hour stretches, okay? I'm playing this game nonstop. I beat this game at the 17-and-a-half-hour mark, okay, in, in one weekend. That that never happens. I don't play games like that. New Sonic game, sure. New Halo game, sure. Other than that, I don't play games like this. This is not how. This is not my preferred way to play games. I will be honest. A little bit of me wanted to kind of play this game while it was still in the Halloween week time frame because, you know, Alan Wake's a little mysterious. It's a little spooky. The new game's got a slight a little bit more of a horror edge to it so i'm not gonna lie that's a, that's definitely a part of it is i want to you know soak up this halloween time time period and enjoy this game with this time with this time period the setting this this moment we're in with it being halloween and all that so a little bit of it was like this this desire to want to play it and enjoy it in this in this allotted time and i definitely pushed myself to play it a little faster than i maybe otherwise would have you know if this game came out like on June 14th or some shit like that, I would have probably savored it over the course of like a full week or two weekends or something like that, you know? But I mean, I just powered through this game in essentially 48 hours. I I, I played over 17 hours of it and just powered through this game. And um, what's my takeaway on Alan Wake 2? It's, it's, it's maybe not my absolute favorite game of the year. Maybe it's, it's, it's hard. It's too soon to tell. I got to sit with it some more, but it is easily top three best games i've played this year so 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 good alan wake 2 it is such a huge step up from the first alan wake and so in some really important ways because i wish i i wish i wrote some notes down because i'm this is kind of just a rambly thing but whatever because the first alan wake is actually not one of my favorite remedy games i actually put off playing that game for the longest time and you you might remember earlier this year i played it through from start to finish for the very first time i've started this game multiple times never seen it through the end and earlier this year i played it for the first time and i really liked the first alan wake a lot after finally beating it i was like this game is really truly great but the first alan wake is not by any stretch my favorite remedy game i definitely i definitely still stand with quantum break i love quantum break so much but the first alan wake i thought was a really great game really unique story really unique synopsis really fun world that they built really interesting story that's kind of twisted and ridiculous but also like just crazy enough that's not completely convoluted and and re- really good but i guess my initial complaint with the first alan wake is while the narrative is really is really intense and really it really intricate and and and, and just really rich the gameplay itself becomes a little bit repetitive and shallow towards the like the last third of the game. It's just like, okay, I get it. It's got this unique combat mechanic. You flash the flashlight, the bad guys, until they're exposed by light, and then you shoot them, and it's kind of like a little bit of like an ammo conservation, inventory management type light deal um, with the flashlight, you know, and the battery management and all that. It's like, it's fun, it's unique, it's quirky, but it wasn't like super fun to do for 11 hours straight. But that is the first game in a nutshell. It's like 11 hours of pretty much that gameplay. Pretty linear. Um, but what makes that game super special is the story and the world they built. It is it is incredible. It is wonderful. The first Alan Wake, it's a truly, truly great game. Highly, highly recommend it. But the thing about Alan Wake 2 is it is, 
in some ways, such a true sequel to Alan Wake, and in some ways, such a massive departure from what the first game is. Like, I guess let's just try to talk about gameplay for a minute. Gameplay Alan Wake 2 is not even close to the same game. So you play the game, as you may have seen if you've watched any of the marketing material. You play as both Alan and Saga Anderson, who's this new character. She's an FBI agent. And you play the game, I want to say half and half, but if I'm being honest, I think it's probably more like 60-40, maybe 70-30. You definitely play more as Saga Anderson than you play as Alan Wake in this game. And I know for some people, it's it's completely arbitrary. We either blindly love it like Halo 2 with Arbiter and Master Chief, or we blindly hate it like Halo 5 with Master Chief and Spartan Lock. So it's it's one way or the other. I don't know. Maybe that this will cause some consternation down the, ra- down the road arbitrarily. But I, I must say, as a side note, Saga Anderson, I actually think I like her more than Alan Wake. I, I, I thought her section was awesome. So I, I I think this is a welcome change considering how they pull it off and what it means for the story. But that's a separate note. So basically you play as these two characters, Saga Anderson and Alan Wake. And it, the game is slightly different when you play as each person. So when you play as Saga... Um, it's like this true detective stuff where you're like, you're on like, you go to like your mind place and there's like this big wall and it's the whole like stereotypical detective thing where it's like, all right, here's the photo from the murder scene. And then like, let me, here's the the thumbtack with the string. It's like, how does that attach to this guy? This guy said this thing. We found this document that supports this theory. It's like, and that, and so it's a lot of that, like mapping shit down the wall and taking all your evidence and stitching it all together and trying to like make sense of a thing. But it's not like puzzly and challenging and weird it's like the game kind of naturally guides you and this is this is some of the genius of this game is because when you play as saga anderson you spend so much of her time in the game in this mind room where she's just stitching all the evidence together and trying to make sense of everything and and, and stitch a story together and stitch theories together and at no point does it ever feel like that slows down the game and at no point does it ever feel like it's a puzzle to try and stitch these things together. The game somehow does such an amazing job, despite the fact that the story is very complicated and very ever-changing and, and, and a lot of twists and turns. And there's a lot of points in the game where you're like, I, I don't know if I know what's going on. And then later on, it's like, oh my God, I get it. And then it's like, oh my God, there's this new twist and now I don't get it again. Even though there's a lot of moments like that in the game, at no point do you ever feel like you don't know how to take all the pieces of evidence and stitch them all together because the game does such a great job of making you feel smart by stitching things together and also suggesting what what you need to do and kind of naturally guiding you in a direction that you feel like you're the one responsible for putting the things together, but it's really the game just kind of being smart on its own. So first of all, shout out to that because that's an incredible feat. This should be an incredibly tedious, boring, monotonous, miserable gameplay experience doing this, and the game makes it so fun to do. And because the game is so cinematic and there's so much dialogue and it's so story-driven at every moment, whether you're playing game or it's cutscene or whatever, it's like you're constantly engrossed in what's happening and you care about this stuff. So when you're Saga Anderson, it's a lot of that detective work. You know, you're doing you're doing stuff like that constantly, you know, interspersed throughout her gameplay. And her core gameplay is third-person action game, right? But the thing that's different about it is her her gameplay, and I guess this is kind of true about Alan as well, but he has different mechanics, is that the gameplay now feels a lot more like a Resident Evil game. It feels a lot like Resident Evil 2 and a lot less like Alan Wake 1. You see, Alan Wake 1 is much more like, almost like linear, like Gears of War. Like, you just, it's not like level by level. It's, it kind of is. It's like chapter by chapter. And you just keep going straight and following the, the path, basically, and doing the thing. That's kind of Alan Wake 1. But Alan Wake 2 is a lot more like Resident Evil. It's like, here's an open area it's kind of linear, but there's like light puzzle solving. It's like, oh, there's a door. I need to go find a key to open that door. And then it's a lot of backtracking. It's a lot of like, 
exploring the objects in the environment and figuring out how this could interact with this in order to get past this. And like, oh, let me read this sign. This sign has this riddle. I need to go do this thing. Oh, I remember I found the heart over there. I got to go pick up the heart and put it through the sign of the witch and then it'll open a chasm here in the creek and then I can go in, split into the, 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 dark, the dark place now instead of the real world and all. Just like this crazy shit, right? It's constantly, it's, it's very Resident Evil. And it's kind of like, light puzzly small open area um i don't know it's like kind of like it's like a rubik's cube it's like you're just constantly like looking and moving things backwards and forwards and trying to fit the pieces together but especially when you're playing saga anderson's side i feel like this moves like butter again it's more of that kind of like it should be monotonous it should be tedious it should be a little challenging and puzzly but it's not it's smooth like butter and you constantly feel smart like you know what to do and you know what's going on like there's a there's a really good part towards the latter middle half of the game that I won't spoil too much but you're in this like kind of like abandoned theme park type area and there's all these things you're trying to like stitch together and collect these items and put this thing together and it sounds like such a fucking tedious task but it's like actually a lot of fun to explore this area and do these and do these tasks and you constantly feel smart just being like, I think I know where that would be or I know what I could use to open that or I know what I could use to fix this object again and make it work again. And the game just does that thing. It's like it's like that masterful game design where it's like we're going to we're going to pose this 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 moment of the game as if it's a puzzle and then make the gamer feel so fucking smart when they just kind of know exactly what to do. But they feel like they came to that conclusion on their own and not that we suggested it to them and i think i think that's like expertly crafted game design that's something that this game definitely needs credit for is because that those moments are incredible aside from that the game the the combat is very different in this game there's a huge de-emphasis on the flash flash line in this game it still does kind of work the same way where you're you're scavenging for batteries it's very resource management heavy the resource management is straight up lifted out of a resident evil game where you got like the slots and you gotta make sure everything fits right otherwise you can't pick up the shotgun and fit it in your inventory unless you shift around the ammo and make it make sense and fit in the little cubes and stuff so it's very resident evil in that way but the moment to moment combat is also kind of Resident Evil where it's like slowed down. The enemies are slower. They take more damage to kill, but it's it's still got that signature Alan Wake flashlight mechanic. But now the the flashlight mechanic is kind of like I don't know. It's, it feels like it's it just feels like it's a little more like streamlined and minimized in a way where it's like every enemy takes one flashlight surge to expose and every flashlight battery provides you with six more opportunities to do that and it's like i don't know it's like you can just kind of gauge that stuff better and you feel like you do a lot less of it i don't really know how to put it other than to say it just feels like the flashlight mechanic has been de-emphasized a little bit in this game and then it's a little bit more like a resident evil game where it's like avoiding enemies that are close to you if they attack you and then shooting them at a distance as they slowly creep towards you feels very resident evil in that way but that's kind of the general gameplay loop is it's 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 a little bit like a horror game, a little bit like a mystery game. And I know they said that this game is very inspired by um, like shows like True Detective or whatever. I don't I don't watch TV. I don't know. And that that the gameplay is a little bit more horror like than the previous Alan Wake game. And all, all these things are true. It, this game feels like a true crime detective type story while also being a horror game, while also continuing to be this mystery thriller type experience, while also being an homage and a perfect sequel to the first game, while also being an entirely new game, while also just being a game that pushes the gaming industry forward. And so let me, we'll get to that in a second, real quick touch on Alan's parts. So Alan's parts kind of work similar to the Saga Anderson, but instead of like 
doing the detective work and stitching all the evidence together and trying to figure out what's going on. His mechanic is a little more like he he well he's the writer, right? So his thing is it's like, okay, I'm in this area. There's a scenario here. It's like we gotta we gotta rewrite the story in order to change what's happening here. So I'm in the I'm in the ballroom. It's like how can I get out of here? This door's blocked. Okay, it's like there was a there was a murder here. So let me go to the typewriter and I'm gonna rewrite this scene here. And then on the fly you can pick like different story plots and like plug and play them into different areas of the map while you're in them. And so it's like you walk in the ballroom. It's like okay, this door's blocked. What do you want to do? You look at all the options for like narrative plot points you could go with and you pick one. You're like okay, well what if uh, what if the, the room is haunted? It's like, okay, the room's haunted. And then the game will, in real time, just shift. It's like the same space you're in will turn into a new environment. And it'll be like, look, now the, now the doorway is open. But but now there's, like, this problem. There's this new obstacle. Now this ladder exists. And now the whole room looks like this. And this character's no longer there. And these enemies now exist in this alternate version of the story you've written. And so it's a little puzzly as Alan as well. Where instead of being like, oh yeah, I gotta find the the screwdriver to to break open the the door in order to find the 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 equipment I need in order to give to the guy to do the thing, you know, his his gameplay is a little bit more like I'm in an area I'm trying to move forward, but I'm stuck here. Let me rewrite the story so that I can get through this area. And you gotta plug and play different scenarios to figure out which scenarios for the story make the most sense, which alters the gameplay and the environment to allow you to progress and move. I th- again insanely creative. Super fucking smart and so cool to see the game just can just change magically on the fly. As a side note, this is some of the most impressive performance I've ever seen on an Xbox Series game. This feels kind of like the PlayStation 5 SSD kind of crazy fast loading stuff we're always seeing. Where like Ratchet and Clank, you can snap your fingers and be in different worlds on the fly. It loads so fast. It's kind of what this game feels like. You can just be in a room and rewrite the story and immediately the whole room around you will change. And it's almost like you're warping into a new level. And in fact, there are there are moments like that. You literally press the back button at any point in time and you can switch from wherever in the game you are to go like to your mind place if you're a saga or to go back to the writer's room if you're playing as Alan. And it's just like, it just warps you into another, another world, another gameplay level. And it's like, how, how the fuck is it loading this this fast? How am I switching between worlds this fucking fast? It's so impressive how they do this. The tech in this game, like shout out to Remedy. They're a small team. They have their own proprietary engine. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, how they're pulling this stuff off. They are doing the Lord's work. But anyway, that being said, I found Alan's parts to be sometimes just a little touch frustrating where I'm like, Maybe it's just because I'm stupid, but I would get lost and 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 I'd be like, you know what? I'm just gonna refer to a guide real quick because I don't want to spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what scenarios to plug and play to figure out how to get past this area. I'm just gonna go online, look it up. Okay, oh, that's what they do. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, so there were definitely times where I felt like my progress was a little bit stilted playing as Alan, where I was just like, I don't want to sit around and figure this out. I just want to move forward. Again, very Resident Evil like, where it's not like this is the most challenging puzzle of my life, but it was like soft, light puzzle solving where it's like, Ugh, I got to figure out, a, I got to stop and use my brain, figure out a way to make this work. And sometimes I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll sit here and play with it. And sometimes I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing this. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Um, only really two instances in the game where I can think of where I was like, truly like, fuck this. I can't figure out what to do. Let me re- resort to a guide. But still, nonetheless, I'm dumb. I like I like to keep my progress and my my pacing going. So if something stumped me for more than like five ten minutes, I was just like I'm I'm beyond this. Let's let's go. Um, that being said, that's that is my number one gripe with the game is that there were a couple points where I felt like it was just a little too confusing. And I had to resort to a guide. And number two, I feel like 
at the end of the day, especially towards the end, there's a couple little things that could have been trimmed down a little bit. You maybe could have shaved off two hours of the game and made a slightly tighter, more compact story. But that being said, that's like those two things together, very nitpicky in the grand scheme of things because the gameplay in this game, superb. The storytelling in this game, phenomenal. It's, it's hard because I don't want to spoil a damn thing. But really, this game shines most with its narrative. Obviously, that's the number one thing to talk about if you want to say why Alan Wake 2 is such a great game. But I'll, I'll try to re refrain from doing that. And um, it just aesthetically and in, in the way this game controls... Here's the thing is, Alan Wake 2 is one of those rare games that pushes the medium of gaming forward. And that's kind of why I'm struggling is because I think my favorite game I've played this year is probably still Starfield. But I think Alan Wake 2, while it might be my favorite game of the year, one thing it is without a doubt is definitely the game I think is the most important this year. It's contribution to gaming. Because, yes, it's a third-person action game. It's got horror elements. It's whatever. It's a great narrative-driven game. All those things. But this game takes everything Remedy have ever done well with Alan Wake, Control, Quantum Break, Max Payne, and they build upon it to a new height that they've never achieved before. And they take things from games like The Last of Us and they push that stuff further to new heights that we've never seen before. Where I feel like this is how you justify that whole, like, we're going to tell two sides of the same story thing. Like, I think about The Last of Us Part Two, and I don't mean to rag on Last of Us all the time. I love the first Last of Us game. I think it's a great game. It's a phenomenal game. Super important, influential game. I love it. Second Last of Us, I like it. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't think the game deserves the amount of hate and vitriol it receives. I think it's a, a, it's a pretty good game. It's a beautiful game. It's a very impressive game. But for me, my impression after playing it was just, I like it. I don't love it. Alan Wake 2 is like, it's like, how do you do what they did in, in, in Last of Us Part 2, but actually do it right? Where it's like this two sides of the same story thing, but it's justified and it's satisfying, and it's exciting, and it's constantly leaving you wanting for more. When I played a game like The Last of Us Part Two, I was like, man, Ellie's side of the story is so compelling. I'm so interested in the game. I'm so I'm so ready to find out what happens next. And then the game would be like, now it's time to play as Abby. And I'd be like, I, I really don't want to do all the same shit I just did, but now as this new character that I don't care about, only for the game to tell me exactly what I think it's trying to tell me anyway. But in Alan Wake 2, it does the whole, you gotta play the same story, but as two different people, in a way that never feels like you're playing the same content twice. In fact, you literally don't actually, because when you play as Alan's parts, yes, you are playing his parts of the same story, but he's not in the same place and he's not going through the same shit and playing his parts of the timeline only help connect the dots narratively, but they don't retread the same ground, which is so great, such a blessing. And it's just like, it's so, the game is so impressive how like it starts off with a simple enough plot and then it expands, it gets a little more complex. And then it gets to the point where it's like, I don't get what's going on anymore. And then it starts to resolve things and you're like, oh, I get what's going on. Holy shit, I get it. And then the game reaches a point where it's like, okay, everything you thought you finally understood, fuck that. Because now this, you're like, oh shit, it's opening up again. And then it gets more expanded and opens up further and further. And then it resolves that stuff. And of course it ends on a little bit of a, like a, hopefully there's more content in the future kind of, kind of way. But it ends in a very mostly, I'll say mostly satisfying way where it's like, I'm, I'm really impressed and surprised by how complex and dynamic this game got with its narrative while never losing me. And it's like kind of that thing I always like lightheartedly joke about with like Japanese games and anime and stuff where it's like, 
it's like the problem with these Japanese games like fucking Kingdom Hearts and stuff is it's so convoluted. It can't just be like, oh, you accidentally fell down the rabbit hole and went to Narnia and Neverland and now you're trapped in the Disney universe. But now the darkness, this evil force is come to take it over and you have to save all these new friends you've made and make your way back to the normal universe or whatever. Like it can't be like a simple plot like that. Like you look at Kingdom Hearts just being the example or like any Japanese anime RPG shit where it's always like so convoluted. You'll be in like hour 37 and they're still introducing new gameplay mechanics, new characters, new subplots. And you're just like, I have no idea what's going on. The magic of Alan Wake two is in a way it is a lot to deal with. And they are constantly throwing new ideas, new twists, new turns, new things in your face. But somehow they beautifully know how to like pull back when it's like getting to be too much. They know exactly when enough is enough. Exactly when it's like that might be that might be too much information. That might be too many twists. They know exactly when it reaches that point and when to stop and hold. And then for the game to slowly reveal more information to be like, oh, and you have those aha moments and you start to feel like gratification of connecting the dots and figuring things out and, and figuring out, oh, that's why this was that. And that's why that's why they thought this person was this person, why this thing was happening. It must be because that was happening over here. And then you figure those things out and that's like plot twist. And now there's new thing. The game, it, it just takes the storytelling to such heights and it's so complex and so intricate without ever being convoluted. And I think that's, such an impressive thing. The fact that they're able to use this really amazing technology to shift you between places on the fly, take you to new environments, these storytelling chops that that can send you on a whirlwind of like theories and thoughts and ideas of what's going on and send you down warm rabbit holes of just confusion and, and information overload only for it to all tie together in the end and make sense and be digestible and also make you kind of feel smart for getting it while also realizing you're kind of a fucking idiot because whoever thought of this story has to be a, a goddamn genius. It's like the, the way the game pulls all that together beautifully it's it's like it's 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 music. It's it's like orchestrating all the elements. This is why I love video games so much, man. It's like it's it's orchestrating all the gameplay design choices with all the narrative design choices with all the acting and all the the mediums of storytelling. The thing I love about Remedy is so much, especially ever since Quantum Break, where they try to merge the live action with the with the in-game stuff. And this game has plenty of live action moments and they just they intersperse and, and, and mingles and merge so well with the game every time they're there. It always feels so natural. It always feels so additive. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel corny. It shouldn't be natural. It shouldn't feel good. But just like we said back in Control and just like we said back with Quantum Break, somehow Remedy does this stupid thing that no one should ever do and they take this live action footage with these with these fucking no-name actors and they make absolute gold and they make it mesh and meld so well with the world they're, t they're building, the story they're telling. And then on top of that, it's got that weird European funky flair weirdness thing where the game can be super somber, it can be really serious, it can be really mysterious, it can be really scary and harrowing and, and just daunting at moments. It can be this huge range of very serious emotions and then they can be over the top, ridiculous, hilarious, funny, stupid, zany, wacky. And they, and again, it's that thing where like they have so much restraint with it. They know just how far they can push it before it's like, wait, this is, this is, this is going from silly to stupid. And they, they stop right before they get to that line and then they reel it back in and bring it all back to reality and tie it all in and make it all make sense. And, Again, it's frustrating. I, I want to do a separate podcast just talking about the game from like a spoiler cast perspective, talking about the narrative, because there's there's uh, there's so many story beats. And, and obviously the secret sauce of this game is just 
it's just it's it's the characters, it's the storytelling, it's the world building that, that they have on display here, and I, I can't I can't spoil that for anyone because I think this game is so special and it has to be experienced firsthand, and I, I don't want to be the asshole to take that away from anyone. I think the 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 the, the seventeen and a half hours I had this past weekend doing Alan Wake two top to bottom were such a blissfully joyous seventeen hours, and I wouldn't want to take that away from anyone. This is this is one of those games where it's like okay, now I get to sit with this game for the rest of my life and admire it and constantly go back to it as one of those games that had such a profound impact that was such a a massively just influential and big and 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 change like kind of perspective altering game it's one of those games where other games in this genre other third person action narrative driven games are going to come out and i'm going to say that game was great but i look at the heights that were reached in alan wake 2 the way it was able to meld all these things together and do what it did and i'm going to say Where's the developer trying to top that? Where's the developer trying to do what Alan Wake did, you know? And this is this is what I'm talking about. Again, it's like I feel like this argument is kind of poorly made because we can't go more into the story, you know? But I just want to know, it's like, who is out here playing this game and not going, Sam likes a motherfucking genius? And, and, and who at Xbox is playing this game right now and not going, oh my god, we're so fucking stupid for not buying these guys. We're so fucking stupid for not saying, name your price, we'll take you. Because, yeah, I, I get it. Remedy's, game, Remedy's games don't historically light the world on fire, make all your co-workers start talking about, oh, have you played Alan Wake 2 the way they all did with Elden Ring and Harry Potter and fucking Ghost of Tsushima and all that. I get it, I get it. Some games do it, some games don't. But you're trying to feed Game Pass... And you're also trying to get that artistic next level highbrow shit that Sony has. And you're trying to quote unquote round out your portfolio and get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Phil Spencer remedy was right under your nose for a very long ass time. And you let them go. You owned Alan Wake. Alan Wake was your IP. You sold it back to remedy as a goodwill move. And now they went and made this game with Epic. This game was published by Epic games. This could have been an Xbox second-party game, at the very least. This could have been an Xbox first-party game if they acquired Remedy. This game should be the Xbox Series X's response to God of War Ragnarok, to The Last of Us Part Two, whatever. And guess what? And I, I don't say this as an Xbox fanboy. I say this as... Well, I, I say this a little bit as a Remedy fanboy, let's be honest. This game is superior to those games. Well, I can't say Ragnarok because I haven't played Ragnarok. I only played God of War 2018, so let me retract that because I've got to be honest here. But I played Last of Us Part 1 and 2. I played God of War 2018. I played Horizon Zero Dawn. I've played all, you know, the, all the new Tomb Raider games. I've played all these games that are kind of considered like, these are like the modern, AAA, wonderful, third-person action, narrative-driven games that are like melding what's great about movies and what's great about games into this new genre. Like those kinds of games, right? I've played a lot of those games. I played most of those games. I played Spider-Man 2018. I really wish I could play Spider-Man 2 right now. I don't have a PS5. That's a different story. I've played most of these games. And I got to say, Alan Wake 2 is better than pretty much all of them. It's it's really damn good. And so when you're trying to feed Game Pass and you just need new high high quality content to, to, to pro proliferate that service, this game could have done that. When you just want to fill in the portfolio and have your thing to respond to what PlayStation's got... This game could have done that. I can't promise Alan Wake 2 would have sold Gangbusters if it was known as a Xbox first-party game, maybe. Sure would have gotten the little Twitter Xbox fanboys all up in a rile over, oh, we got Alan Wake, oh, we're better than you, we've got Doom and Alan Wake, whatever, fuck those guys. Doesn't matter. Alan Wake 2 is exactly what Xbox needs. It's exactly the kind of, Remedy's exactly the kind of developer Xbox needs. And uh, it just, it blows my mind as I experience this game and realize, what a masterpiece this fucking game is. 
and how incredibly stupid Xbox is for just letting these guys slip away. I mean, I, I, I got to know, man. There's got to be a story at some point. Like, Phil Spencer's not an idiot. Xbox is not, a, you know, a stupid division run by a stupid company or anything. Like, these guys are way smarter than I are. I, I are. Yeah, there you go. There's all the proof you need. They're smarter than I are. They're smarter than I am. So, clearly, these guys, like, you got to think there has to, at one point in history, been a conversation. Somewhere around the time where Quantum Break was being developed, maybe it was like a, if this game does well, maybe we'll acquire you. Or like, what? at what point was the conversation, and why did it go the way it went? Because there's no reason why Microsoft's out here busting fucking $68.7 trillion on on on, on freaking gummy bears at, at Walmart, but they, but they don't got, I mean, you, you buy Allen, dude, they could have bought Remedy right after Quantum Break came out. You could have had those motherfuckers for under $200 million or something like that. You could have got those guys for like $150 million probably. Why didn't you do it? Like, what What was the reason, man? Because these guys are amazing. Now they're stuck into like a multi-game publishing deal with Epic. And I think a lot of people appreciate them. And obviously their value has shot up tremendously due to the uh, consolidation of the, of the industry. And it's just... <sighs> Man, dude, whoever, whoever, someone's going to buy Remedy eventually because this whole industry is consolidating like crazy. And when it's not, when it's not Xbox, I'm going to look at you guys. I'm going to say that's Bungie part two right there. You let Bungie get away twice. And now you let Remedy get away. That's silly. You're silly boy. You're silly boy. That's all I got to say. Silly, silly boy. God, you bought, you got freaking, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to assault any developers they have. Never mind. <laughs> but whatever, man. I, anyway, I, I don't. Again, I wish I wrote notes because then we'd have a little bit more structure here. But I don't know what else to say much, you know, without getting into story stuff. But I just want to say Alan Wake 2 is such a special game. I'm sure I'll have more things to say about it in the coming weeks as we continue on. I just continue to sit on it and think about it. But, dude, what a special game. Alan Wake 2 is so good. And, you know, a little synopsis just to kind of give you like a little thing, right? It's 13 years after the first Alan Wake game. The dude's like, I'm still trying to get out of this place. Am I in the real world or am I not? Did I do it right? Did I? Am I still trapped in this place? Saga Anderson, she's this detective who's put on this this case for this this mysterious thing that's happening in this place, and we're not going to get into all of that. And then she gets roped into the story. It turns out the story that Alan Wake was writing in the first game, and this isn't, I'm not spoiling anything. This is like synopsis. This is like back-of-the-box quote kind of stuff. This is like opening hours, unfolding the story, trying to explain, here's the main setup for the game. But basically, all the story that Alan was writing in the first Alan Wake game to get himself out of the dark place and to kind of free himself and save his wife, all that shit was becoming true in the real world. And now this FBI detective, Saga Anderson, is being pulled in and her life and her story and everything is starting to get affected by the shit that Alan Wake wrote. And it's so crazy because it's like you start to question. It's like, is this character even real? Are they a made up fictional character? Do they not exist before Alan Wake started arbitrarily writing them into a story to try and save himself? And now his his story is fucking over this person's life and they're getting pulled into this shit because of him. And it's so fucking cool. And it's like you don't know. at There are certain points in the game. It's like you don't know who's who's real and who's not. You don't know like who is who's in the real world and who's in the dark place and you don't know all this shit and you're constantly just like being tossed around and everything's being thrown upside down and 
and there's all this other stuff. There's like this cult involved, and there's this other detective we won't get into because everything about him is a spoiler. And this uh, just all this shit. And it's like you, you go all the way back to the first game, and you're answering the question like, will Alan? Did Alan ever save his wife? Will Alan ever get back to the real world? Will they ever be reunited? Will you ever see that 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 couple brought back together again? And then that gets put on the back burner for all this other shit that's happening, and it's all equally as compelling and relevant to the story. And you're just so invested in all these different characters and all their different plights and all the different arcs that the, the game introduces. And it's just such good storytelling. It's so much like mind. It's like that Hideo Kojima, like mind fuck. Like, man, they got, they have so much profound shit to say in this game. And I don't even get it. And I don't get why the fucking writers here at Remedy are so good at being fake novelists while also being fake filmmakers, while also be, being fake musicians, while also being game creators. And they are so good at all these fucking disciplines. And, in the context of this game, at the very least, it's just, it's, I don't know. Alan Wake, Alan Wake 2, there's the last thing I'll say. This is like the sticking point because I, I'm not nuanced and sophisticated enough to really speak to the, the, the value of this beautiful game. Let me put it like this. If a game like Starfield is like the summer blockbuster that you got to drop everything and go see because it's the movie everyone's going to be talking about. It's the new Avengers. It's, it's a great, awesome movie that we can all enjoy and have a really fun time watching and experiencing. Alan Wake 2 is like is like the novel you get assigned in a literature class in high school or college that you didn't really know you cared about or weren't really interested in at first. But then when you read it, it kind of opened up your mind and made you feel like cultured. It made you feel like exposed to philosophy and ideas and new ways of thinking. And it kind of fucked with your brain a little bit and put you, put you like in a, a whole new like plane of like mental complexity. And it's like, it's one of those things. Like it's, it's in short, like Alan Wake is art. It's an, it's a, it's, it's a game. It's a piece of entertainment. It is something that could be enjoyed and then shelved and then you can move on with your life. But doing so would be a disservice because Alan Wake 2 is not just another game to play and put under your belt of games completed. It is a piece of art. It is a game that you can sit and think about. You can sit with the story and you can replay it and you can extract new value from it. And you can, it can, it can change your, your, your reality in a lot of ways. It's just, I don't know. It's, I, I get a little, Maybe it sounds a little cringy coming from me, but whatever. Literature major, I have a lot of respect for writing and great storytelling and philosophy and and all this stuff. And and this is one of those games where it reminds me of like the best books I've ever read or the most influential movies I've ever watched. Where it's like I feel like I'm a more informed and influenced and in, in, in a person. I I feel like a like a more interesting person for having experienced this game. I'm not trying to. It sounds a little like arrogant and stupid to say I know but I feel like the point comes across like you know what I mean there are certain plays works of music novels movies tv shows whatever and they're few and far between but there are certain ones in this world that ever and they can be different for different people but you experience it and you're like that that changes things I feel differently about things now that I've experienced this and Alan Wake 2 is one of those very rare examples where a video game creates that feeling and I really think that's that's just, even though that sounds kind of vague, and it's like, Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, I think that's worth saying. And I just, I, I want to go out there and put that kind of praise in front of this game because I think it's basically the highest praise you can give for anything, in, in my opinion. It's just by saying, like, this is more than just a piece of entertainment. It is a true artistic work, and it is something that can heavily influence you. Like, I played Starfield, 
and it 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 strums on on my heartstrings. It 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 it, it resonates with that part of me that that's obsessed with sci-fi and thinks outer space is so fucking cool. And some of the things they do narratively in that game are so cool. And I think it's just a really really beautiful game that's like aspirational and it and it, it tugs on the whole question of like why why are we here what are we doing which what what should we be doing what you know and all those things and i think there's a lot of value and there's a lot of artistic value in a game like starfield but alan wake is a game that changes the way you view things and makes you think differently and inspires you in a way that's not like it's playing to something it's it's playing to a sensibility i already have it's like no no, no. it's it's influencing me to inherit new ways of thinking and new ways of appreciating and new ways of, of experiencing. And that is something really special. And so I just really want to shout out Alan Wake too. It's weird. Cause you can appreciate it for any number of reasons. You can appreciate if you're a fan of third person action games, you can appreciate if you're a fan of heavily narrative driven video games, you can appreciate it. If you're a fan of horror, you can appreciate if you're a fan of thrillers and mysteries and it's not too far in any direction that I think it would ostracize one group or the other. I think it's like not too puzzling enough that like anyone who just likes more straightforward action games could enjoy it. I think it's not too con- it's again it's, the storytelling is not so convoluted that you wouldn't be able to get it if you just stick with it and play the whole game. And I think the horror isn't so far gone that it's like, oh, if you're not a fan of like scary games, then stay away from this game. It's like not too far gone in that direction. So it's like it's this beautiful balancing act of all these influences. And it's not it's not like a regurgitation of its influences. It is it is an evolved project that has touches of those influences in it, but it becomes more than what those influences are, if that makes sense. And I think again, it's like that that's that like moving the medium forward shit, you know? Like I watched the I watched that that new movie, The Creator, that came out um like a month or two ago, right? It's that new sci-fi movie by Gareth Edwards, the guy that did uh Star Wars Rogue One and one of those Godzilla movies a few years ago, like the twenty fourteen Godzilla movie. And I, I watched that in theaters a few weeks ago. Thought the movie was fucking awesome, by the way. Really, really good movie. Original storytelling, sci-fi, really cool, really unique, really fun watch, right? Nice to see some sci-fi that's not just another Marvel, just another Star Wars, or just another Star Trek, right? It's an original star, sci-fi movie. Really good movie. But that movie, and one of its one of my major criticisms of that movie, and one of a lot of people's major criticisms, the overarching major criticism, is it feels in a lot of ways, even though it's like the characters are original, the story's original, it's like, it feels borrowed. It feels like a retelling of something that influenced it. And that's okay, because the movie is still really original, really unique, and really good on its own. But you can you can feel and see its influences so, so blatantly worn on its sleeve when you watch that movie. And that, again, that's fine. You can still be a great piece of entertainment and... and, and, and and proudly wear your influences on your sleeve. But Alan Wake 2 is is not like that. This is a game that clearly has influences and inspirations, but it is not an homage to those influences and inspirations. It is an evolution of those things. And I just, again, I promise we're going to get off this now. I'm going to let it go. We'll move on with our lives. But this game is very, very special. Like, I normally I would not tell someone like, hey, if I could recommend any game to you, I really think you should stop everything you're doing and play this. Like, I know that I, I, I'm self-aware enough to know that when I'm sitting here bragging about how good Sonic Frontiers is, that like 84% of the audience is like, oh my God, Jesse, you're almost 30. Fucking grow up and stop playing Sonic. I'm, I'm aware, okay? I know you guys indulge me and you let me do my stupid thing. That's fine. 
Alan Wake 2 is not one of those games. It's like a rare example of like, I, listen, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do with their lives, but if I could only recommend one game this year, I would recommend you play Alan Wake 2. And they tried to make it, and they said in interviews, this game is kind of designed with newcomers in mind that it should be a jumping on point if you haven't played Alan Wake 1, but I would implore you to play Alan Wake 1. It's still, I just not, not because you won't get what's going on Alan Wake 2 without it, but because I feel like it's just so much more enriching and gratifying if you have that prior context. The game also is definitely, it intermingles with Control a lot um, because as we've known for a while now, the world of Control and the world of Alan Wake are in the same universe and there's aspects that intermingle between you know the DLC on Control and certain aspects of Alan Wake 2 reference things from Control. So, But it is light enough that again, you don't have to have played Control to play Alan Wake 2. You absolutely don't. It might be more enriching if you do. In fact, it definitely is. But I would say, if anything else, just play Alan Wake 1 and 2. You don't have to play the Alan Wake spin-off Xbox Live Arcade American Nightmare thing from 2012, although that is great as well. You just got to play Alan Wake 1 and Alan Wake 2. And I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Alan Wake 2, it's worth it. It's so, it's so good. But now we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about <clears throat> normal things that people actually want to hear about, like, um, like Bungie laying people off, so... Hang on a second. Let's take a quick break. I got some water or something. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll come right back to this and we'll get into the news. All right. Let's jump right into the news, starting with, well, we don't have a whole lot of news this week. We literally only have one major story and then some Game Pass updates. But listen, that's okay. We're, I'm, I'm here to rant and rave about Alan Wake 2, and then we'll do some comments. and It'll be a fun time. We got some good comments to get into this week. So from our... Only trusted news source out there, Video Games Chronicle. That's a joke, by the way. But VGC, our, our favorite website here. Bungie's recent layoffs amounted to around 100 staff, or roughly 8% of the developer's workforce, according to a new report. It was confirmed on Monday that Bungie was the latest Sony Interactive Entertainment Studio to be hit with layoffs, though the scope of the job cuts was not yet clear at that time. Let me stop real quick. Obviously, Bungie now being owned by Sony, it's like, Jesse, isn't this a PlayStation story? No, because Bungie still operates in, kind of independently, and their games are still on Xbox, and their new games will still come to Xbox, and their current games will still be continued, will continually be supported on Xbox. And then, of course, the history, the legacy that's there, Bungie is just still very Xbox adjacent. So I feel like this news is still very pressing for Xbox, so that's why it's here. So continuing on. A new report by Bloomberg sheds more light on the situation, saying that staff were warned in a meeting earlier this month that revenue was running at around 45% below what was being projected, which is a huge dip, uh, which Chief Executive Officer Pete Parsons reportedly attributed to poor Destiny 2 player retention. It's been claimed that staff were told that the game's next expansion, The Final Shape, will be delayed from February 2024 to June to give staff more time to improve it. Parsons also said that they were, they told staff that salary and hiring freezes would be taking place, but two weeks later on Monday, around 100 staff members were told that they were being laid off. Forbes writer Paul Tassi tweeted more information that had been received from sources, including claims that, the, that many employees benefit including claims that many employee benefits lasted until the end of the month, meaning that because of, st of staff being laid off on October 30th, their benefits only lasted a single day. This is corroborated by Bloomberg's report, which also noted that healthcare was a separate benefit that will go avail that will be available until the next three months for those who have been let go. One potentially contentious issue, however, is that 
of employee shares, the majority of which were owned by Bungie's employer employees before Sony's acquisition. Last year, Sony revealed that around $1.2 billion of their $3.6 billion acquisition was to retain employees at Bungie, and that money would be used as a reward for existing employees if they had to if they had sorry, if they didn't leave and stayed on with Bungie for a certain number of years. Well, since one of the main reasons Sony's acquisition was to make Bungie's knowledge was to make use of Bungie's knowledge base, it's planning to incentivize the shareholders of the and other creative talent to continue working at Bungie after its acquisition closes. Eligible employees had universe uh, eligible employees had unvested shares, which are shares that put aside they're put aside for them and can't be accessed until they meet a certain requirement. In that case, staying with Bungie for a certain number of years. However, according to Tassie's source, quote, those shares revert to Bungie if you if you leave or if you're fired, which is what's happening to many now who are affected. All right, we'll stop there and we'll continue on for uh, for in a second. So obviously more layoffs in the games industry. It's it's sad. Things are getting tighter and weirder in this in this space as things change. This is a little different from some of the other layoffs we've seen because this has a lot less to do with, oh, we have this game that's gotten delayed or our last game was a bomb or whatever. This is more like, hey, we're doing the thing we've always been doing, but now our player attention is starting to get hit or you know, seemingly out of nowhere. And now it's starting to affect our bottom line and we got we got downsized a little. So apparently these layoffs came internally from Bungie. This is not a move by Sony. Sony didn't mandate that 8% of the workforce be trimmed or anything like that. This is just what happened. But I guess a couple of things I want to touch on here, and I guess we'll just go in order here. But losing 45% of your player retention, or not, sorry, not 45% of your player base, but player retention or, or revenue being down 45% due to poor projections and player retention being down overall is a huge, like huge, huge, huge oversight. Like the fact that they were this far off is astonishing. And it means that they're basically hemorrhaging players right now at a time where they weren't expecting to be nearly at or around the numbers they're actually at right now with people playing Destiny and spending, therefore spending money in Destiny and therefore re- generating revenue for Bungie. So this is a huge problem for them. And you can attribute a lot of things to, th- to this, like, oh, well, the last big expansion for Destiny wasn't super well-received in some ways, and so maybe a lot of people fell off after that, and the, the recent seasonal content since then hasn't been resonating as much because people are waiting to see if the next expansion really hits. Uh, but that's I, I don't really think that would paint the whole story because I think that we would have seen this happen sooner if that were the case because the last expansion, Lightfall, came out in, what, February of this year? So I feel like we would have known by now had something else, you know, had that really been the main reason. My my only guess I, I have right now is that it's just such an unprecedented, unprecedented time in the industry right now where there's so many high-profile games coming out. There's so much to see and do and play right now that attention's being taken away you know the, the time and the player base and the and the money has to come from somewhere there's only so many players of video games there's only so many people with with steam accounts and playstations and xboxes who want to sit around and play games these hardcore games all day every day and when you got a new call of duty that you know every year that's that's taken attention away from other first person shooters and you got fortnite killing it with new seasonal content but then on top of those like old guards ma- mainstays you've got all these brand new games are just killing it. People are playing freaking Starfield and Spider-Man and Mario and Sonic and um, what's the other one? And, and, you know, and Alan Wake and all these games and Baldur's Gate. And what was the one I was trying to say? I was trying to be stupid and say, say, uh, 
fucking game was I about to say? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the main point is just that this game has, this year has been such an unprecedented year for just high quality, big, heavy hitting releases, one after another after another, that, you know, it's logical to think that it's just players are being pulled away right now because Destiny doesn't have a shine on it right now, right? There's no new. There's no new expansion. It's been long enough since the last expansion that people are kind of like, yeah, I'm satiated for now until the next thing happens next year. And then on top of that, you know, that people aren't super stoked right now with where they are on on their seasonal battle pass type content. I know they recently just switched the way they were doing those. And so maybe that's not going over well, although I, I really do think at the end of the day, it's just mostly people are really focused on all the new things the new shiny things that are happening and they're just not paying attention to the old mainstays like like destiny that have just been sitting there being old reliable um in the background while these other games haven't been out and i just i just really think that's the the bulk of what's what's going on here but that being said eight percent of your staff you know sounds small when you're like oh it's only eight percent but that's a hundred people you know that's 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 a crazy amount of people and then you get into the whole thing about benefits here which is obviously a huge a huge issue where we just got off seeing, you know, Epic had some layoffs and, you know, it wouldn't be so surprising to see that this is a similar thing where it's like, okay, well, Epic just had layoffs. Well, actually, take back what I said earlier about Fortnite because even Fortnite's experiencing some slowdown player retention right now if, if they're doing layoffs for the same reasons. But anyway, you know, you look at Epic and like the kind of layoffs they're having where they're like, oh, man, well, you know, we'll just – uh. We'll just give you like six months of, of, of freaking severance, severance and health benefits and all these things. And they're taking like such excellent shape, excellent care of, of their of their people and all these things. And then you also look at um, who was the other one? Damn, I can't remember. There was some company that recently required everyone has to come back to the office. They just mandated a return to office. But they're like all these things were like if you can't return to the office – because, uh, man, what fucking developer did that? Holy shit, that's driving me nuts. They're like, if you can't return to the office for whatever reason, you know, and you need to resign, we'll give you like six months of pay or something like that. It's insane. And they're like basically just willing to let you suck at their teeth for the longest amount of time while you figure out what to do next. And it's just it, it, we're seeing all these companies kind of handle these layoffs well in terms of offering those health benefits resources to try and get employees new jobs or, or relocate them somewhere else in the company if, if 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 possible you know or or just at, at the very least like look for ways to support them like here's an advance notice here's a severance package here's some benefits here's some vesting some stocks or something you know but in this case Bungie looks like they're being kind of fucking slimy here and you, you look at October 30th as a layoff date it's like well why do they want these motherfuckers out at the end of October because open enrollment's the first of November and they don't want to re-up these people's health benefits they want to get these people off the payroll and get these people off these benefits and stop paying for this shit because that's a good way to save money fast and then in addition to that and you can see it all over Twitter right now like a lot of these now ex Bungie employees are complaining about all this stuff about how they were mistreated. Now the company's kind of shitty and they're not good to their staff. And when they lay you off, they do really slimy things like fire you two days before you're fully vested so that you're not fully vested. And you don't get the shares of the company that, that you're owed for your time you've put in and things like that. And it's really, really slimy shit. And it, it continues on a little bit with, with this additional bit of news that I'll just tack on here, which is that, Bungie also reported that they've cut ties with Michael Salvatore, a veteran composer who's worked with the studio for over 25 years amid a round of layoffs at the studio. Salvatore's history with Bungie dates back to his work in 1997's Myth, The Fallen Lords. He's credited, his credits include multiple Halo titles, uh, including uh, 2001's Combat Evolved, as well as both Destiny games and their expansions. 
There are conflicting uh, there's conflicting claims out there about Salvatore's rep <clears throat> reported exit from Bungie, with Destiny 2 community uh, animator Carson Reed claiming that he was laid off in Windows Central reporter Jez Corden, hearing that he may have retired voluntarily. Salvatore worked with fellow composer Mar Marty O'Donnell uh, on the music for the original Halo, Halo series uh, as part of the as part of the company back when they were all together. Um, and, and their team was called Total Audio. During the production of the first Halo game, O'Donnell was hired by Bungie as a full-time employee, while Salvatore remained independent, although he eventually took a staff job with the studio back in 2011. So it looks like he may have voluntarily retired as part of, you know, maybe they were like, hey, does anyone want to step down? We're going to do some cuts. And maybe someone like him was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll retire if, you know, give me this kind of severance, severance deal and I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll put in my notice and, and be out of here. I don't know. Because uh, now there's conflicting reporting. Jess Corden, usually pretty reliable reporter, usually pretty good voice, doesn't really say shit unless he's pretty confident in it. So it's, there's reason to believe that there's some good truth to that. However, it's just conspicuous timing, and they're le they're losing big people. And obviously, Marty O'Donnell has a little bit of a bitter pat patch with uh, with with Bungie as he was kind of put out in a, in a bad way, and he took to Twitter to kind of be like, hey, all those people who were mistreated by Bungie, I know I was, you know, you're not alone if you're out there and all that, and the, there's these threads and threads and threads of, like, people being like, yo, I got I got some fucking tea on Bungie and, and, and tell you about what a bad employer they are and, and how, you know, the kind of shit they've done to people and the way they've just burned people when they let them go and all that, and there's just a lot of people out there who are really, really disgruntled right now taking to Twitter to just talk about how fucking shitty Bungie is, and it's really unfortunate because we don't see these kinds of reports with these other other publishers and such doing layoffs right now, and I think that 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 contrast lends all the credibility needed to say that clearly something's amiss at Bungie. Clearly they're handling these things wrong and they're doing something wrong and they and they're being shitty in some way because we're all the people complaining about you know over at these various EA teams and freaking. Um, um, in Epic and all these other teams where layoffs are happening in Embracer who are like, well, fuck this publisher or fuck this, this, this parent company. Cause they sucked for this reason. And that reason they did the, this. The, no, you're not seeing that. You're seeing a lot of like, Hey, today I lost my job. It's really unfortunate. Sad. Uh, I'm proud of the work I did and I'll be hopefully moving on to do this or that. But like these ex Bungie employers are like fuck Bungie, fuck the games industry, fuck this. It's like, so there's the clearly something is amiss here. And there is some spicy, juicy story about Bungie and what a hellish place it's apparently like to work. And there's this guy, this one one developer who is a not developer, I think it was like a, a community marketing guy or something, who was laid off. And I guess he was ex Microsoft before he went to Bungie. And he was told that he wouldn't be a good fit for the team because he's a Microsoft person, and so he's too analytical, um, or he's too he's oh no you know that he's too generalist and not specialist enough. To, to be, you know, good for the company or something like that. And, like, just all these really weird anecdotes from all these now uh, laid-off employees just saying, like, the most heinous shit about their time working at Bungie. And then you got, like, the old composer, the guy responsible for the iconic Halo soundtrack, being like, yeah, they're the fucking worst. Come come here and talk with me. I'm, 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 I'm here with open arms to support you and house you while, uh, while, uh, while you get back on your feet and figure out what the fuck just happened because Bungie's the worst. So now I'm... I'm, this is this is some kind of crazy allegation because Bungie's famously known for so long as just one of the premier game developers. You know, they're so they're regarded as just such a premier team, such a an, an esteemed place to work and be a part of and to contribute. And then on top of that, of course, Bungie is one of those 
very California, West Coast, techie kind of like, ooh, we're so progressive. We support all of this, that, and the other. You know, with they're like, we're. I think they were just in the news like a minute ago, like a week ago or something like that, for being like, we're doing Latin Heritage Month. We're here to support all of our awesome employees who are of Latin heritage. It's like, yeah, but no one gives a shit how many. You know, no one gives a shit what your fucking stance on like trans rights and Black Lives Matter is when like you're like, oh yeah, we support blah 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 blah, and then the next fucking minute you're just laying off your staff who are assumedly, you know, based on your, your very outspoken social views who are assumedly comprised of LGBT folk and black folk and all these, all these people who, who comprise your awesome team, you're turning around, you're laying them off and you're fucking cutting off their health benefits within a 48 hour notice and all this shit. So again, it's that, it's that, that fucking corporate mouthpiece of like, we're on the right side of things. We're for good things and we're against bad things. And we think evil is bad. And we think that employees should be empowered and all this shit. It's like, yeah, you talk the fucking talk. You put the goddamn LGBT flag on your Twitter profile come May or June or whatever the fuck Pride Month is. And then and then October 30th rolls around, open enrollments in like a goddamn day or two. And then you're like, mm, sorry, gay people, get the fuck out of my office. It's like, I mean, this shit, this shit is astonishing. I, I don't know. It's a little anecdote I want to point out because I have no problem with someone being pro this and to that. Like, whatever. I mean, who – I mean, I don't know. It's – whatever. It's, that's not me making a comment or teasing, like, LGBT movements and stuff. Again, it's it, it's like it's like being feminist. It's like everyone should be pro-LGBT, and it's not because you buy a fucking flag to put outside your house or you change your Twitter banner. It's because, it's because just by treating everyone like a human and letting them know that – they're equally important just as much as everyone else. It's like that that's what you do to make people feel included and important. And like they matter. You don't have to fucking go online and make a whole fucking bungee blog post about why you're so goddamn inclusive and then go ahead and lay off a bunch of fucking innocent people. Like this is, this is the shit, man. This is the shit. This is what the federal agencies do and the big corporations do where it's like, you, you try to act like you're such a great little corporate citizen and you're so responsible and all these things. And then you just go around, you fuck people up the ass and you just act like you can do one and the other and then not have people analyze the situation and be like, you know what? You're a greedy, shitty fucking corporation. And it's unfortunate that that's what Bungie's become or maybe that's what they've always been. I don't know, but, I mean, you got to assume being independent from Microsoft and then going independent from Activision, all these things, they've they've had to staff up and, and, and get themselves in a position where they are kind of their own independent entity. And Bungie has been that through multiple stages of their lives. And so it's their existence rather. And it's, it's, it's safe to say that, yeah, Bungie is just some weird corporate bullshit thing where they, they're, they're a mouthpiece and they're shitty. They say the right thing and do the wrong thing. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. It's like, I don't, Next year, come October, when it's Hispanic Heritage Month again, I don't want to hear fucking shit about the one half Puerto Rican guy that works in your studio that wants to talk about his heritage on the blog post because your community marketing manager begged for him to reveal a statement so that the company can look good and that only for you to fucking the next week fire a bunch of his fucking buddies because you you want to save some money. And it's one thing when it's like the company is hurting. We got to lay. Listen, I get that. It's like, hey, Jesse, why why are you trying to act like there's a parallel between like trying to seem like progressive and trying to seem inclusive and then doing something that's necessary but really, really unfortunate, like having to do layoffs because business is tough. Like, hey, man, I get that. I get that you could be like, hey, we're, you know, we're a company proud to proud to be in support of this and proud to make people feel included and welcome and loved. It's like, hey, cool. I respect that sentiment. 
but the reason the reason why this is so like such a bad taste in my mouth why i can't take this shit seriously is because within a fucking two-week period you're, you're all over the news for your freaking hispanic heritage appreciation month bullshit and then you're fucking laying people off and telling them hey we're doing it right before your benefits end and we're doing it right before you're vested so you can walk with nothing so your kids can't go to the doctor if they get sick next week and so that you can't sell your shares and make enough money to fucking stay financially healthy while you figure out what the fuck you're going to do and how you're going to pay your mortgage. And that that's the kind of shit that gets me. It's like, okay, cool. We're making progress because we're so obsessed with making sure the corporations are on the right side of the conversation for the press, you know, for the press aspect of it all, for the for the for the image. But when it comes to the real things that actually fucking matter, like paying your employees and doing right by the ones who you unfortunately have to lay off because times are tough. You become a piece of shit. (laughs) Fuck you, Bungie. Also, now that I think about it, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it while we're here. I'm going to say it. Since we're shitting on Bungie, since Bungie's being a bad person, and since the notion of a corporate citizen makes me want to fucking curl up into a fucking uh, crinkle-cut fry and murder myself because it's just such a cringy thought to to be considered a citizen when you're a fucking corporation. Aside from that, while we're at it, I think 343 does better multiplayer than you do, Bungie. Fuck you. All right, now that everyone hates me because uh, because I said Halo 5 has better multiplayer than Bungie Halo games, um, let's move on because uh, there's going to be no one left to listen to this podcast if, if I make any more statements like that. So just, just to clarify... I'm all for members at Bungie being like, hey, I'm this, I'm that. I support this, I support that. That's awesome. But when your corporation is talking at both sides of their fucking mouth by being like, we're here to empower and support people of these communities, and then be like, go fuck yourself. You don't have, like, the, get, in the, get in line at the goddamn soup kitchen because we're laying off your ass and you have nothing there when you when you walk out the door. Get your fucking cactus and your notebook and your pens and your stapler put them in a little box walk out from your cubicle get out of our goddamn office and enjoy not having health benefits starting tomorrow like keep your fucking mouth shut just be a shitty corporation if that's what you are don't don't try to pretend to be something you're not um also i gotta say 343 makes uh 343 makes better halo games on the xbox series x than you do bungie because you stopped making halo at the xbox 360 which means your Halo games are old, so... Alright, let's uh, wrap up. Actually, 343's in a shit position, too, but hey, that's for a different reason. Let's uh, wrap up. That's that's really it. There's not really not much happening in the news. Let's... Um, a little Game Pass update here, some smaller news items, and then we'll get into the comments. Listener comments, comments, combats, comments, and feedbacks. English. So, from Xbox Wire, we got some games coming and leaving Game Pass. New month, new Game Pass games. Let's get into it. So, coming soon, coming throughout the month of November, you can expect the following games to hit Game Pass. We've got Thirsty Suitors on November 2nd, whatever the fuck that is. It's coming Cloud Console and PC on day one. Also available day one on November 6th is Football Manager 2024 on PC only. Uh, then on November 6th, also, well, the, never mind. Also, the console edition will be available that day. So, so yeah, Cloud Console and PC. Uh, next up on November 9th, you get both Dungeons 4 Day 1 Game Pass, Cloud Console and PC, as well as Like a Dragon, Gaiden, The Man Who Raised His Name, Cloud Console and PC. I'd Oh, I'd love to play that, but I got so many other Yakuza games to get to first. I know, I don't have to play them all to get here, but I got to play at least some more of them. Uh, next up, Wild Hearts is coming through EA Play to Game Pass on November 9th. Cloud Console and PC was released earlier in the year. That game is uh, apparently just pretty decent, but it didn't sell all that well, so 
Here's your chance if you want to try an EA-type Monster Hunter game. November 9th, it's it's there. And then lastly, on November 13th, um, you get Spiredia, Spiredia on Cloud Console and PC, day one Game Pass game. Oh, and I forgot, on November 14th, you also get Coral Island on series and cla- series consoles and cloud. But it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's compromise. And what, what is that song from freaking uh, Maroon 5? Anyway, on uh, November 15th, the following games will be leaving Game Pass. Meaning if you haven't played these games, you suck. Uh, Coffee Talk. Exo, Exopunks? Exopunks? What the fuck? Uh, Ghost Song. Gungrave. Football Manager 2023 because it's coming again the 2024 version. Uh, Lappin, Lappin, and Townscaper. Damn, I actually feel really um, obnoxiously mad about this because Gungrave and Ghost Song are two games that I've had downloaded and I wanted to play on Game Pass for a while, just haven't had a chance to. And now they're both about to be gone. So I, I need to download those and maybe play them this week. Um, but also Modern Warfare 3, so how's that going to happen? So anyway, that's it for all of our news this week. You guys, let's close out real quick with the important enough news story. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions. Quickly here, I don't know where else to put this, so I just shoved it right here, but I might stop and talk about it for a second. A new... 3D Sonic game was announced from VGC. Sega and Apple have announced a brand new Sonic game coming exclusively to Apple Arcade. What the fuck? Whereas previous popular Sonic games on mobile tend to be endless runners, Sonic Dream Team is now a 3D platformer. Uh, Players will be able to take control of Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, Rogue, and Cream. And a new adventure set to release on December 5th. The game revolves around the Reverie. An ancient evil Dr. Eggman has found. The Reverie is a powerful manifest dreams into reality, so Sonic and his friends have to stop Eggman, blah, blah, blah. blah. You'll be able to complete missions, fight bosses, and find toys of your favorite Sonic characters and add them to your ever-growing collection. This sounds like a really fun Sonic mobile game that I would be all over. Why the fuck is it exclusive to Apple Arcade, the subscription service for apps on Apple's App Store only for iPhone and iPad? And what the fuck, man? What the fuck? They did a Sonic Racer game that was exclusive to Apple Arcade a few years ago, and that sucked. But it is what it is. I can't let this one slip. I, I gotta play this game. And if it's anything like that Sonic Racer that never came off of Apple Arcade exclusivity, this game will probably never fucking come to Android. What the fuck is happening, Sega? Why are you allowing... These games are usually made by... Uh, uh, what is it called? Hardlight Studios or whatever? It's a British team that does all the Sonic mobile games. but So it's not proper like first party sonic like sonic team game but still the trailer's out it looks good it's got music by t loops it's got cool animation it's got it looks like a jesse game and i'm pissed off about it so i'm at the freaking steal my girlfriend's iphone or something to play this game and subscribe her to apple arcade i'm not even joking i'm going to literally do that because i'm playing this game this is such bullshit that uh i mean man i want to think that at some point maybe this will come to android but that racing game's been on apple arcade exclusively for like three or four years now so i don't i doubt it Fuck you, Sega. This is a bad move to make this exclusive. Timed exclusive? No problem. I'll wait six months. Permanent exclusive? Fuck you, Sega. I'm not switching from freaking Samsung to Apple just because just because you made an app exclusive for Apple. Okay, let's move on. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm worked. I'm twerked. I'm worked. Tilted. I'm turned. I'm filtered. All right, let's uh, keeping with Sega. Sega has said that the development of its first Super Game is progressing steadily. Announced back in 2021, the Japanese publisher said that Super Game Project will span multiple AAA's uh, titles that cross Sega's comprehensive range of technologies and go beyond the traditional framework of a game. 
Uh, Sega provided the statement on its first project, which remains scheduled to release in the next few years uh, during an annual integrated report, which was published this week. The entertainment content business has set a long-term goal of becoming a global leading content provider, said Sega. They want to achieve uh, having their first super game out by the end of fiscal year, uh, March 2026. So this is this is big. They're they're putting like they're investing eight hundred and eighty two million dollars into this project, which is like the cost of like four or five triple A first party developed games like this is a huge budget. And I still don't we still don't fully know what super games is, but we know that they're talking about like integrating like twitch streaming with video games and things like like maybe having like apps that support your games so like having games as a service but like an app that you connect your account and does other things and then when you stream or watch streamers play the game it can interact with that game that you play in some way and having basically the experience of your game expand outside of just the core game itself so you can interact with make progress on complete towards and do things with that game even when you're not playing that game which is a really compelling and interesting idea although vague i'll be vague um but i am really excited to see what their first super game is like is this going to be like a new entry in a pre-existing sega franchise is it going to be some kind of cringy ass Fortnite knockoff like what, what are we looking at here so interested to see more about that in the future next up vgc reports that rpg developer artisan studios is opening a new studio in saudi arabia that promises to create the first triple a games in the area the company has entered into agreement with saudi arabia's ministry of investment to open what is called the largest foreign-owned game development studio in the kingdom uh, next up, Alan Wake 2 will receive a new game plus mode in its post-launch update. Developer Remedy confirms the plans uh, for the mode on Wednesday ahead of the game's release last week. Sorry, following the game's release last week. The sequel's new game plus mode will be, enable players to unlock and retain new weapons and upgrades, all, all weapons and upgrades. It will also introduce the new Nightmare difficulty with a new alternate narrative, including new manuscript pages and new video content, which is frustrating because that's, yeah, it's frustrating for me. Remedy says that the updates uh, are still yet to be determined for release date, so we don't know when. Next up, Atari's entered into an agreement to acquire Digital Eclipse, name you probably haven't heard in a while, in which, uh, with the deal expected to be completed in the coming days, they'll pay up to $20 million to uh, buy the California-based, U.S.-based studio, which is uh, founded in 1992. The deal will include a $6.5 million cash and stock completion, plus an earnout of up to $13.5 million payable in cash over the next 10 years uh, based on Digital Eclipse's future performance. Atari said the acquisition will further support its retro-focused growth strategy following the acquisition of the follow, uh, fellow retro master specialist Night Dive Studios earlier this year. And yeah, Digital Eclipse does a lot of ports or dumbed-down versions or supplemental versions of games. Like, they used to do a lot of, like, DS versions of, like, GameCube and Xbox games back in the early 2000s and things like that. So kind of a fitting acquisition if that's their M.O., and then uh, lastly here, Hideki Kamiya and Shinji Mikami, who both recently left Platinum Games and uh, Tango Gameworks, respectively, this year, are set to host a conversation about their careers to date and their future plans. The two respected game creators are taking part in a in a festival of Japanese pop culture, Archipel Caravan, uh, set to be held in Tokyo on December 15th through 17th. The pair session simply titled Shinji Mikami Cross Hideki Kamiya, We'll see them discussing the past and future as well as the philosophies on creative process. That's very interesting. I'm sure we'll get some news out of that. But that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. It is time to get to the last segment of the show, the best segment of the show, 
the comments, the shout-outs, the you-know-whats, they go on youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast. You write in, you say whatever you want to say. You say, you say, Jesse, you're dumb and you're stupid at the same time. Or you say, Jesse, you're beautiful and Jesus loves you just the way you are. And no matter what you say, I read your comment anyway because I'm desperate for content and desperate for attention. And I'm just desperate to pad this show and make it look like it's actually a full-blown show people give a shit about. So there we go, there we go, there we go. Um, I put these comments in no order this week. I was a little lazy and I just slapped them all in here. So I apologize if it seems disorganized. But here we are. We got 12 write-ins this week, and we're just going to go through them in the order I pasted here, starting with none other than Mike Clark, 4480, who writes writes in and says, Very excited for Avowed in Outer Worlds 2. Give them, Obsidian all the, give them all the money and support they want or can need. And if Josh wants to make a Pillars of Eternity 3, so make it so. Halo and Sonic have the same fan base. Even when their games are good, they get hate. Happy for 343 and Halo. I want to say that's true, but at the same time, I feel like that's just true of anything. You know, like... Even any game has a toxic fan fan base, pretty much. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you said Xbox console sales are concerning, but they appear to be very aggressive with advertising, so maybe that will help. Great shows always. Have a great weekend, Mike Clark. I appreciate your responses to the topics of last week, and I uh, just want to say, I don't I don't think aggressive marketing is going to help console sales as much. Honestly, I think I think the only thing that's going to help them is good games. Last week we saw Starfield was moving subscriber numbers for Game Pass and things like that. I think more stuff like that is going gonna, is gonna to make the difference. Just have great games, continue to have great games, and eventually people will find their way to the platform. And eventually, if people like the ecosystem, they will buy the box that it hails from. I think that is the key. Just have great games. Buy Remedy so Alan Wake 2 is your game. In, in back in time, like not not nowadays that it's already said and done, but like that's what you can do and should do, those kinds of deals. Next up, Mr. Way of the Lau writes in, Jesse, I hope you're well and that everyone's doing well. Mr. Way of the Loud, good to see you. It's been a while, man. Um, I know it's tough out there, but don't give up. Keep going. It's been about three years since I'm listening to you, and I don't like most of the games you guys like, and I play on PC. Uh, the show's... Oh, I appreciate that, man. <clears throat> that shows how cool the show is. Whether it's you ranting about Europeans or dissing on restaurants that only the less fortunate can afford, it all, <laughs> it all has a way of making you feel all warm and fuzzy. Dude, I can't wait to till you till you start streaming again so I can listen to you and Cronky argue about games. Take care, my dude, and as always, I will be listening. Way Lau, it is great to hear from you, my guy. I hope you're doing well. And thank you. I'm I'm very excited to get back to streaming. Dude, we snuck into our house the other week on uh last Saturday. Uh we, we snuck we snuck on in. We could just walk on in, the door is unlocked. They're about like ninety something percent done with the house, if I had to guess. Like they got all the flooring's in, the, the hardware's in, the mirrors, the freaking appliances, everything's installed, everything's ready. Literally, they just got to do some landscaping on the yard, and this bitch is ready to go. So I'm very excited about it. And uh, I was looking in my uh, my little room. It's, it's a modestly sized house. So it's a, you know. So I go up to the room where my office will be, and um, it's it's cute. It's, it's charming. It's it's like a little, a little spot. I'm like, it's just perfect enough. I got my desk here in the corner, green screen right behind it. Maybe a little Xbox mini fridge in the corner with some Mountain Dews. Maybe. I don't know. And I'm really excited looking at it. I'm just like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to put on a freaking Tron poster in the corner. I'm going to put an Epcot poster over there. I'm going to put a freaking picture of, of my girlfriend getting fed up with me talking about Sonic the Hedgehog over there. And I'm going to make this my little space. It's going to be my, my little streaming quarter. And I'm very, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited to get settled in and to be able to start. Dude, because I, I, honestly, I, I just want to get back to streaming Call of Duty Zombies again. I, I I genuinely really love 
like playing zombie mods and streaming that on PC. So yes, I will be getting back to that, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much being looking forward to being able to do that without uh, making my girlfriend miserable because because we're in a one bedroom apartment, and, and when I when I record a podcast or stream, I take up all the uh, all the energy in the room, and she can't do anything. So I'm very much looking forward to having a dedicated space to be a giant man child and hang out with all you guys while we uh while we fuck around on Twitch, not in a sexual way, just in like a you know like a platonic gamer way. Please don't. Please don't 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 start saying stuff on Twitter about how I made advances on you, Mister Way of the Law. Please, my career will get crushed before it even takes off. Mister Malg writes in next. Have a great weekend, uh, Mister Malg writes in next and says, "I'm also very sad that I can't play Spider-Man Two like you are. The first one is literally the only reason I bought the PS4 when they did the PS4 Pro bundle. Instead, I'm saving up a little bit for a tablet." I also love Applebee's, so I always get their two for 26, get the spinach artichoke dip, and then get the Fiesta Lime Chicken. Sad to see the one by you isn't good. By me, the TG, TGI Fridays is usually dead or doesn't have enough staff. Plus, the price is being a bit too high. I still like it, but my wallet does not. This is what I'm talking about. This is this is that upside-down world shit, man, where, where you live, the TGI Fridays is unreliable, but the Applebee's is on point. That doesn't that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. Actually, that's that's just a joke because uh, for as much as I love TGI Fridays, the one the TGI Fridays by me is also similarly kind of hit or miss, honestly. So I don't blame you there. But if I ever tried Applebee's again, I'd have to go for the uh, two for twenty six. It's good to know they have some value thing because my impression was that Applebee's was the more affordable option. But I, I felt like I spent way more money than I wanted to spend at Applebee's. So I didn't I didn't feel like I got good value. I felt like I spent TGI Fridays when I went to Applebee's. So that was part of my frustration was I was like, I could have just gone to TGI. But, God, dude, I'm, I'm so excited for the next time I get to go to TGI Fridays. I, I genuinely don't think I've been there once this whole year. Like, it's been – I don't think I've been to TGI Fridays since, like, last summer. So it's been, it's been a minute. I'm overdue. I'm overdue. But, uh, yeah, thanks for writing in. Man, Mr. Mag, we'll stay strong together. Um, I'm waiting for Spider-Man 2 to come to PC in a year or so. So that is when I will play it. I know I will play it and enjoy it and love it and have a great time. But it is going to be a tough wait. Stay strong if you're saving up for a tablet. What tablet are you getting? What tablet are you getting? The, the Samsung Tab 9 Pro Evolution? What are, you, what are you doing? Have a great week, Mr. Mouth. Oh, wait, no. I just pasted the same comment twice. So let me delete that. All right, 11 comments, not 12. There we go. Sorry, Mr. Waylow. I had you in there twice. I don't know why. Maybe because I just love you that much. Next up, Mr. Count Skyler follows up on his comment from the other week. He says, thank you for the Disney advice. That's very helpful. Everyone standing around motionless, completely unaware of their surroundings is becoming an epidemic. Ha ha ha. They're not just in Florida. It seems like everywhere these days. That makes me, I feel, I, I'm of two minds when I read this comment the first time where I feel very sorry for you because I don't want that to have to be a thing other people are experiencing elsewhere. But at the same time, it also makes me feel like not a crazy person to know that I'm not the only person noticing this and, and being driven to insanity over it. So, Count Scatula, thank you for clarifying that, at least in this regard, I'm not entirely psychotic. And then also, thank you for writing in because it's always good to hear from you, Mr. Count Scatula. I hope you're having a great week. As always, appreciate your little uh, thumbnail, cute little thumbnail there. And uh, take care. Mike Clark coming back and says, P.S. Alan Wake Remaster has uh, has been very good. Excited to see how it ends, but I'm loving it. Mr. Mike Clark, I'm glad you're enjoying Alan Wake, but as I said earlier in the show, if there's one thing I can beg, beg you, please play Alan Wake 2. I, I know that's probably why you're playing Alan Wake 1 is to get to Alan Wake 2, but ooh, I'm so excited. I, I know this is an itch game. I know most people listening to the podcast probably aren't going to play this game, so 
for the few of you that are playing Alan Wake 2, I, I mean this with all, all sincerity. Please genuinely write in. I genuinely want to know what you thought of the game, what you liked about it, your thoughts and opinions on it. Like I be detailed, be nuanced. Don't be don't be explicit, but be detailed. Because I want to know. What'd you think? Because Alan Oh, it's so good. But yes, Mr. Mike Clark. Please continue to enjoy Alan Wake 2 or Alan Wake. And if you play Alan Wake 2, let me know what you thought about it. Mr. Mao comes back and no, why do I have that? Why do I have all these comments in here twice? Okay. All right, now I gotta go back. Ten comments, not twelve comments, ten comments. Very bad boy here. All right, next up, Mr. Arctic Chief writes in and says, I love the fact that you talk <laughs> about more than one topic. It is really easy to relate to the form. Or sorry, it's really easy to relate and form a sort of bond over not only Xbox, but Taco Bell and Disney. When I discovered your your show, I thought, damn, this guy likes everything I'm into. Throw Nintendo and Star Wars in there and we're a perfect match. Well, that's actually a very kind comment. I, I really appreciate that, man. So, Because uh, that's that's what I love about this show is the comments and the being able to bond over stuff. And uh, amen, brother, dude. Fucking Taco Bell, Disney, Xbox. That's that's a great combination there. Throw in, throw in Halo and Sonic. Replace Nintendo and Star Wars with Sonic and Halo. And then we got the perf- the perfection. No, but all joking aside, listen, I I love Nintendo and I like Star Wars. I'm just I'm just a jaded asshole, and that's why I never say anything good about them. But although I th- I think I've turned I I've turned around Nintendo a lot. I think I've been a lot more positive and kind towards Nintendo when I bring them up on the show lately. But Star Wars, I don't know if I can say the same about. It. I just I, I'm just always a dick about Star Wars and Harry Potter for some reason. But anyway, I appreciate that sentiment. I I do I do enjoy bonding with you guys over a our shared love of nonsense. Of course, you guys all also love TGI Fridays and uh, Kia cars that have bad transmissions and um, the Jonas Brothers' first two albums before they sold out and went mainstream. I don't know. What the fuck am I trying to say? Anyway, you also... uh, I I cut you off. You didn't finish your comment. You said, good luck still in the house stuff. It's never easy, but it sounds like... You might be towards the end and getting there. It's exciting. Yes, we move in three weeks, and I can't be. I couldn't be any more excited. To just be done with this shit already. So thank you. I appreciate that. And he said, "As for gaming, I got my friend group to download Halo Infinite. Oh man, we just had a good time playing. Can't wait for the refueled game list map update. And of course, Mountain Dew game fuel, bro. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I keep saying like the first thing. So like, I know this is like, this is this is me showing how immature I am and how unqualified I am to be a homeowner." But I keep telling my girlfriend, I'm like, I, I, I mean this so sincerely because Mountain Dew Game Fuel comes back right around the time we're moving. I genuinely, I sincerely want to go to Home Depot, buy a refrigerator, have it delivered to the house, install it in the kitchen. Boom. There's a refrigerator. First time owning a refrigerator in my life. Beautiful. So there's a refrigerator. Keep food cold. First thing I ever want to chill in that refrigerator. I know this is so stupid and sentimental for no good reason, but I want to put the new Halo game fuel in that refrigerator and have that be the first item I ever chill in my own refrigerator in my own house. And then I want to fucking crack open an ice cold game fuel, sit on my couch in my house, in my fucking boxers. Fuck you. It's my property. Get off my lawn. I have a Nerf gun. I'll shoot you. And I want to, I want to boot up Halo infinite and play some motherfucking Halo three maps. And dudes, I'm like, that's the timing. That's, that's the dream. That's the dream dude. Cracking open an ice cold one. I'm excited and I'm happy for you and your friend group. Dude, that's, that's the best, man. It's so good when like, when your buddies want to get in and they want to play something good. The, the hardest part about growing up is like the few times when, when like your friends actually want to play games with you, they want to play such shit games. They want to play, ah, ah, 
God, they want to play such bad games. Why do they want to play such bad games all the time? You guys want to play Warzone? No. I want to play Halo Infinite. I want to drink Mountain Dew and play Halo Infinite. No, actually, I don't want to play Phasmophobia. I actually don't. It's insane how bad I don't want to fucking play Fortnite or Fall Guys with you. It's actually it's actually so hilarious how bad I don't want to play those games. I want to be a real man with a mild amount of chest on his hair, on his hair, on his on hair on his chest. There we go, English, but not so much that it's like, whoa, that's a that's a fucking werewolf. Like I'm talking about a tasteful amount of chest hair. I want to be like a normal, slightly hairy chested man and play Halo with my friends, with my boys, with my boys who can be of any gender or sexual orientation because I don't give a shit. As long as we're playing Halo and having a good time and everyone's drink of choice just so happens to be Mountain Dew Game Fuel, I don't give a shit who you are. You're welcome on this party chat, okay? Scroll. Mr. Malg writes in and says, oh, wait. Thank you, Mr. Arctic Chief, for writing. Have a God-blessed damn week, whatever that means. Mr. Malg wrote, wrote in a second time, and I didn't put his comments back-to-back because I was lazy this week and I didn't organize the comments. And he says, thank you for the house advice. Now I know I need to find one of these so-called girlfriends. Do they happen to be on Game Pass? That is actually genuinely a funny comment, and you made me laugh out loud while I was at work reading this comment when, when I saw it because that's that funny. Yeah, last week you asked about how to even get started with trying to buy a house, and uh, yeah, that's funny. Are girlfriends on Game Pass? No. Game Pass has something better than Girlfriends. Game Pass has a low-cost, low-commitment key to a library of games that is ever-changing, but of a quality so high that a cop would pull you over and ask you to blow into an alcohol breathalyzer uh, because that's how they find out if you're high also. And uh, that's how high the quality of Game Pass titles are. So, Mr. Maug, that was a stupid response from me, but that was a good comment from you. So, thank you for writing in. Have a wonderful week, and listen, I hope you find a girlfriend, but more importantly, I hope you I hope you meet her on Game Pass. I don't know how you would meet a girl on Game Pass, but I hope when you when you meet this girl, it is through Game Pass. Uh, Jay Comatose wrote in, it's been a minute, and says, thanks for recommending Lazy Eye. I've listened to that song about 50 times since Wednesday. Well, hell fucking yeah, Lazy Eye, great song. Jay Comatose, good to see you. Thank you for writing in. Hope you're having a wonderful week. And I must say, if you like that song, bro, their album so that that's on um so lazy eye is on their 2006 record carnivus but in 2009 their follow-up record called swoon fucking immaculate now carnivus is an excellent record start to finish but swoon is lazy eye is a better song but swoon is a better record and oh my god dude put that shit on opening track there's no secrets this year amazing the energy out of this fucking world that song is incredible and then freaking it's nice to know you work alone Amazing song. And then, of course, the, the single, again, they did it again with this record. The single, Panic Switch, badass song. Usually, singles are like the worst tracks on most albums. Not for these guys. Panic Switch, fucking badass song. Everything is amazing in that album. Play play that album. Listen to, listen to Swoon. Oh, my God. Ugh, so good. Anyway, let's move on with our lives. Uh, Headhunting Halo. Uh, I'm going to... Put a pin in that. We're gonna save you for last because I love I love putting your comments last. I think you're a great. I think you're just like a great little uh, cherry on top for the comments always. So I'm gonna to go to my brother Cronky who wrote in real quick, and then we'll go back to you headhunting Halo. So Cronky wrote in and says, "I'm about four. Uh, this is clearly dated because I talked to you since, and I know you've beaten the game. So I'm about four hours into Alan Wake two, and so far this might be my new favorite game of all time." Well, damn, we probably should put this comment in a different part of the show. The game is a masterpiece of storytelling and bizarre but fun gameplay, and it's technically impressive as hell. I do have conspiracy theories, though, as I, um, 
though, that Remedy made some creative decisions so they could simultaneously make this game and make assets for the Max Payne remakes at the same time. I would like to hear those theories because I have no fucking clue how you're getting that from this. But, I mean, one more thing I will say about Alan Wake, just because for some reason your comment does prompt this idea. Something that's super interesting about Remedy is they generally make their games for like $50, $70 million dollars. And these are games that are of the quality and in st- stature of like a triple A first party, like Sony Xbox type game, which those games are normally like close to $200 million to make. And so I don't know how Remedy makes these kinds of games for a fraction of that money. But Alan Wake 2, there are some moments in that game where it's like you can feel the way that they are very smartly and judiciously like using assets and aspects of of the game and environments to get a lot of mileage out of like something they've created like not to say like the game feels low budget and like they just reuse the same location or idea over and over again but there are ways in which it's like damn i love how it's very creative how they're able to get a lot out of this one thing they've built and that allows them to you know really cut down on and maximize you know, the amount of game they're building out here and, you know, with, with, I don't don't really know how to put it. It's just like, you can, you can feel the resourcefulness and the kind of frugality of the game development while the game also feels extraordinarily premium, next gen, high quality, triple A. It's a very interesting compare and contrast, but um, I did want to point that out as well. But yeah, Krongi, I know you've beaten the game since. I know you love the game. And uh, again, Keep it coming, dude. You got comments on Alan Wake? You play the game? You got thoughts? Let's hear them, dude. It's a great game. And uh, last comment, but not the least, is uh, is it's coming from none other than the god-tier human being headhunting Halo, although we don't know for sure that he's a human. He could be, he could be, as his picture suggests, a brute from the Halo universe. He says, breaking news, Mountain Dew has a new food product, Dew Dogs. It's hot dogs infused with Mountain Dew itself. Halo is is going good and improved very slowly. I love that this season is a 30-day battle pass. Keeps me on my, on edge for what's coming next, and I love the flood effects, as well as the armor updates. Have you played the finals? No, I didn't play that beta. I did not. I did, uh, yes, and I love the Halo Infinite beta. And just want to be clear, I don't think Dew Dogs are real. I, I keep seeing that online. I think that's just a meme. So don't get too excited. The Baja Blast hot dogs and things like that. I think that's a joke. But anyway, you said, have you played the have you played the finals? It's in beta now, but man, it's different and a lot of chaos, but fun. Also, can't wait to collect the game game fuel again in November. Sadly, I have Halo three and four and left them both at my window for years over the summer. Sadly, the bu- they sadly they busted from the sun. Sucks. I had those two. Uh, are you looking forward to Alan Wake 2? That is uh, disheartening to know that your Halo 3 and Halo 4 game fuels exploded from being out in the sun. Uh, I still have mine in storage in, in, in my Mountain Dew collection, but I actually had to... Um, my Mountain Dew collection, some of the cans were starting to leak after so many years, so what I had to do was... Um, it's kind of It's obnoxious how long this took me to do it, but I'm so obsessed that I did it. You take a screwdriver, like a power power drill, and you screw a, a, a hole in the bottom of the soda can, and then you drain out the whole soda from the little hole on the bottom, and then you rinse out the can a bunch of times to get all the stickiness, syrupiness out of there, 
and then you like hot glue gun the little hole you create on the bottom so that bugs never come and get in the can. And then you basically just have a hollowed out can, but it looks unopened. Like it doesn't, you know, you never cracked the, the top. So all of my old sodas, my old Mountain Dews now, no longer have liquid in them because so many of them were just starting to uh, leak and, and things like that over the year from like loss of carbonation and sun exposure and things like that. So now uh, all my cans are just hollow and empty, but you know, they still look great on a display case. They just don't have the liquid inside. So I, I'm standing with you in solidarity, man. I know the feeling there's just something kind of missing knowing that that liquid is no longer in that can. Uh, this is a really weird and specific and nerdy and not like respectable nerdy kind of thing to be talking about. But here we are bonding, headhunting Halo because that's what we do. You take your your ugly little brute head, your fucking banished brute face, and you and you put it against my temple, and we and we think like friends, and we we even Eskimo kiss a little bit. Why not? We're already so close. Why not rub our noses together while we're at it? And it happens. It's natural, and we bond over the Mountain Dew. And that happens. And then Bungie writes a, f a whole fucking statement about how they support our friendship because it's LGBT adjacent. And then they're very progressive and open-minded and supportive. And so they write that blog post and they include us in it. And then the next day they fire like a hundred gay people and take all their health benefits away. And then those people die cold and alone in the streets. But don't worry. At least Bungie is progressive and supportive of different lifestyles. So that's good to know. But anyway, thank you so much for writing in. Um, I'm, I'm super hyped for Game Fuel. Obviously, you wrote this comment right before um, I right before Alan Wake 2 came out late last week. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to Alan Wake 2. Now I'm looking forward to playing it again and thinking about it and sleeping on it and loving it and recommending it to other people. I will definitely be playing that game again. Not right now because right now it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 time. But, yeah, Alan Wake 2, God-tier game. You, God-tier person. Everyone listening to this podcast, God-tier human being. Bungie? Kind of on my shit list right now. Everybody, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to Xbox On. If you like this podcast and want to give it a five-star review, I highly encourage you to go to your favorite podcast service and leave a five-star review. If you think this podcast is anything less than five-star quality, please do me a favor. Save yourself the time and hassle. Do not leave a comment. Do not leave a review. I don't want to hear how you think I could be better. I don't want to hear why you don't like the show. I'm very fragile. I have a very fragile emotional system, and you'll just crush and destroy me. If you say, even if it's something as nice as like, really good show, I think there's a little bit of room for improvement. Maybe the host should stay on topic just a little bit more, but otherwise, really good job. 4.5 out of 5. No, that's, that's too soul-crushing. Don't do it. Unless you're just here to basically, uh, just basically, you know, verbally you know me off i just don't i don't want to hear it. i can only take compliments i can only take praise and high high consideration because otherwise i'll just crumble like a fucking overdone cookie because i'm just a little i'm just a little boy in a big man's body and i just and i appreciate you all for listening and i hope you have a great weekend and i hope you have a great week and i hope you play alan wake 2 and i hope you think it's an amazing game and then i think i hope you tell your friends and then you break into classrooms of children across schools all throughout america and other countries and say little boys and girls it's time to play alan wake 2 rated m for mature and then that's what you'll do and then you probably be escorted out the school but just don't tell them i sent you because I don't want to be held responsible for the things I tell you to do. And that's going to do it for our podcast this week. You guys have a great, great week. Be well. Take care. Be safe. Spend time with your loved ones. Eat delicious food. Buy Mountain Dew Game Fuel. Uh, save. Uh, don't spend all your money on lottery tickets unless, unless they are winning lottery tickets. Until next week, power your dreams. Power your dreams.